Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to In the Huddle, the exclusive weekly talk show dedicated to NCAA Division III football's Liberty League Conference. Tonight, your hosts, Eric Wren and Frank Rossi, will recap last week's Liberty League action and interview the newsmakers around the league. We'll also preview next week's action and take your calls and online questions. So sit back and put your game face on because you're In the Huddle. Now, live from Studio One in Saratoga Springs, New York, your hosts, Eric Wren and Frank Rossi. All right. I hope you got your game face on. You're in the huddle. This is Eric Wren, joined by my esteemed colleague, Frank Rossi Esquire. Uh, once again, we are in the huddle on blogtalkradio.com. Thanks for joining us. Uh, roughly about halfway through the season, a lot of good action for you tonight, folks. Have some great guests, some great content, and we're going to take you through this past week's action just to let you know what you got on store for tonight. We've got Ted Baker, longtime radio play-by-play man, voice of the Hobart Statesman, is going to join us for a couple minutes to talk about what a lot of folks will believe is a surprise. A lot of folks outside of Skanky, New York, I should say, in the Union College Dutchman's improbable victory on the road at Geneva against Hobart this past week. We're also going to be joined by our, our, our players from Union College, our first two guests, Chris Corey, the running back, sophomore running back sensation, huge game against Hobart, and Ben Rappel, the kicker. Uh, our coaching guest this week is going to be Coach Steve Briggs, coach from the Susquehanna Crusaders. They're on a roll right now, winners of their last two. And we're going to round it out with Justin Wells, quarterback for the WPI Engineers, who had a big win this weekend. And then we're going to open the phone and take some calls. So, hey, Frank, how you doing? I'm doing okay, except they're watching my fantasy team one more time go up and smoke as we speak. So, uh, you know, I, I, at least I got the call of winning by Union yesterday, and the Miami Hurricanes pulled one out against a weak team yesterday by only about seven points. So it's been an interesting week of football for me personally again, but the uh, highlight obviously was a Union game. We always start with your fantasy escapade. Well, actually, that doesn't sound that good, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> your fantasy escapade. Folks, this is a family show. Let me rephrase that. We always like to start with Frank Rossi's lamentations, it seems, on his fantasy football picks. Frank, I'm not doing fantasy this year. I found it was too difficult to keep up with. I just don't have the time. And this weekend... Well, I was just going to say, my problem with fantasy, there's just too much garbage points at the ends of games. So I'm doing great all during the day. And then the ends of games where everybody's just throwing the ball for grabs, I end up losing every week. Well, hey, there you go. The The only games I had outside of Liberty League football, of course, which is close to our heart and you know, the content of our show. Uh, Buffalo Bills were off. I didn't get to catch them by week. We'll see how they can bounce back. And uh, Notre Dame, tough one against North Carolina, Frank. I saw that one, and that ending was uh, almost a very controversial ending, but the refs were lucky. It was in, uh, a fumble that was recovered by North Carolina at the end of it. Well, guess what, though? That's D1. You're in D3 land. You're in the huddle, folks. How about we start you with last week's action? We had some big games, a couple improbable outcomes. Why don't we take you to uh, last week's action from yesterday, 10-12, around the league, in the huddle on blogtalkradio.com. 
in the weekend's first battle of one-on-one -one Liberty League teams. The Susquehanna Crusaders look to continue their momentum after their improbable victory against the Kings Point Mariners, but the Rochester Yellow Jackets sought to end the Crusaders' party. Early in the game, neither team could gain a foothold, leading to a scoreless game for the first 28 minutes of play. Finally, Susquehanna struck first with a 12-play, 71-yard drive that ended with a one-yard Dave Pavlitz touchdown run. This was just a start for Pavlitz, who tallied 288 yards on the ground and accounted for all four touchdowns for his team on the afternoon. His second touchdown came four minutes into the third quarter, giving Susquehanna a 14-0 lead. Rochester tried to keep pace, scoring on a one-yard run by Patrick Till, splitting the Crusaders' lead in half. However, Pavlitz would not be denied, upping the lead back to 14 points with an 18-yard touchdown run early in the fourth quarter. The teams traded touchdowns as the game came to a close, with Susquehanna winning 28-13. John Lenardi helped his team on defense throughout the day, adding three pass breakups and six tackles to his interception, moving the Crusaders to 2-3 and three overall and 2-1 and one in the Liberty League. Rochester, which was led by Clarence Onyeruka's 135 yards on the ground, moves to 1-4 overall and 1-2 and in the league after the loss. In the other battle of 1-1 one one Liberty League team Saturday, the Merchant Marine Academy Mariners hope to bounce back from their devastating loss to the Susquehanna Crusaders just a week earlier. But the WPI engineers came into the game 4-1 and, and still in the hunt for the Liberty League title. The Mariners' hangover appeared to continue in the first half as WPI jumped out to a 7-0 lead in the first quarter with an impressive 12-play, nearly 7-minute drive that ended with a Manny Camber four-yard touchdown run. Later in the quarter, WPI coach Ed Saloon took a risk by going for it on fourth and goal from the Mariners' two-yard line without success. However, J.J. Watson could not escape his own end zone of the very next play, leading to a safety by the engineers' John Graziosi. The engineers took the ensuing free kick to midfield and rushed their way into the end zone for a 16-0 lead after a Scott Guzman one-yard touchdown rush. Merchant Marine ended the half with a blocked WPI field goal attempt and tried to come out in the second half with some momentum. However, a drive that reached the WPI 9-yard line was short-circuited by a Hal Reeder sack, forcing the Mariners to opt for a field goal and a 16-3 deficit. Carl Heimbrock kept the Mariners within reach with an interception of Justin Wells' pass and returned the ball 61 yards to the WPI 2. J.J. Watson took it the rest of the way for a 16-10 deficit. Justin Wells made up for his mistake later in the quarter, though, spearheading a 10-play, 61-yard drive, eventually capped by a Canberra 2-yard touchdown run. That was all the engineers would need, winning the game 23-10. Wells ended with over 300 yards, including 298 in the air. However, his defense performed amazingly, holding the Mariners to minus 16 yards rushing and moving the engineers to 5-1 overall and 2-1 in the Liberty League. The Mariners fell to 2-4 overall and 1-2 in the league. Week 3 of interleague play brought yet another amazing game in Geneva, New York, as the 1-3 Union Dutchmen visited the 4-0 Hobart Statesmen. The game started ominously for the Dutchmen when tailback Chris Coney fumbled what appeared to be a trick play to the Statesmen at the Dutchman 25-yard line on the first play from scrimmage. Hobart's kicker Connor Callahan missed a 34-yard field goal attempt, though, giving Union another chance to take the lead. Union could not convert and was forced to punt, but Hobart fumbled the punt return back to the Dutchmen. Turnabout was fair play, though, as Dutchman kicker Ben Rappel missed a 22-yard field goal attempt. Two minutes later, Callahan would miss his second field goal attempt, this time from 36 yards, all leading to a scoreless first quarter. Finally, Hobart would find the end zone over three minutes into the second quarter, as backup quarterback Doug Vela ran three yards for the 7-0 lead. Union's offense sputtered throughout the second quarter, but their defense stood strong. 
At one point, the Statesmen were unable to run the ball in from the one after a first and goal from the Dutchman four. In the very next drive, Callahan missed his third field goal from 23 yards, giving the Dutchman a chance to stay close. Chris Coney had seen enough and began to take control with four minutes left in the half from the Union 48. Hand off to Coney, up the middle, he's got some room this time. There Game pushed forward. There he's on his feet, he's, he's gone! To the 20, 15, 10! Omar <laughs> says, go ahead, you got the touchdown, Union College! Yeah, I was looking for flags, but that was all Chris Coney. He just came out of the pile, emerged on the right-hand side of the field, and took off. Hobart returned the favor, though, retaking the lead in just three minutes with a 10-yard touchdown pass from Rich Doyle to Tyler Vincent. Union's Rich Valenti returned the ensuing kickoff to midfield, giving the Dutchman a chance with a minute left in the half to convert. This time, he'll have time to throw into the end zone. He's got two receivers there. He's got it! Touchdown, Union College! (laughs) What a play, and guess who it is? Gallo. Gallo. Justin Gallo with the touchdown from 22 yards out. The Dutchmen are within a point of time with 8.2 seconds remaining, 14 to 13. The Dutchmen left the field jubilant with a 14-14 tie. Hobart returned to the field in the third quarter and moved easily downfield to retake the lead on a one-yard Doyle touchdown run for a 21-14 score. But the Dutchmen were led back downfield by freshman quarterback Drew Connolly, who eventually found Jared Gorier in the end zone from 11 yards out for yet another tie, 21-21. The Dutchmen began the fourth quarter by taking their first lead of the game with a one-yard Coney touchdown run. The 28-21 lead would not last long, though, after the Statesmen faked a punt from their own 35, with Vincent running easily into Union territory and leading to another Doyle one-yard touchdown run. Now tied at 28, Chris Coney mounted more and more yards in the fourth quarter, breaking free and leading to his third touchdown of the day from one yard out. Coney finished the day with 243 yards rushing for the Dutchman, but Hobart's Vincent would tie the game for the fifth time with an eight-yard catch with four minutes left. Here's the call from Ted Baker from the Statesman Football Radio Network. He's got two men left, one to the right. Back to throw. Close it, right side of the end zone. Vincent, jump ball. He got it! Touchdown, Tyler Vincent! What a catch in the right corner of the end zone! Union's Johnny Johnson returned the ensuing kickoff to the Hobart 35, and Union used Coney to eat up most of the clock, moving the ball to the Hobart 11 with less than a minute left. To go up 38-35, raffle from Gorier's spot on the right hash mark. The distance will be 28 yards, 12 on the play clock, 10 on the play clock, waiting for the snap. They want to take it down as low as they can. Five seconds, snap, spot, kick is up, and it's... God! 38-35 Union lead! The 38-35 win moved the Dutchman to 2-3 overall and 1-2 in the Liberty League. The Statesman moved to 4-1 overall and 2-1 in the league before their bye week. And you're back and in the huddle on blogtalkradio.com. Eric Ren with Frank Rossi. And a little bit of confusion in the Liberty League this week, folks. A couple... Minor, or I should say, pro- unprobable upsets going going on in the interconference play. Hobart, as you just heard, courtesy of clips of Frank Rossi, our very own Frank Rossi, and Union College Radio Network, as well as Ted Baker from the Hobart Radio Network. You heard some clips there. As Union surprising a lot of folks pulls one out on the road, and also Susquehanna pulls one out against Rochester. So a little bit of a haberdashy going on right now, folks. Only one team. Right now, undefeated in conference play, RPI sitting atop of the conference at 2-0, but a whole host of folks in play right now with a lot of games left to be played all against each other. WPI at 2-1 in the conference, Hobart 2-1, Susquehanna 2-1. Union's still not out of it at 1-2, and, and Merchant Marina 1-2, and, and Rochester 1-2. Really, folks only per, folks really at the cellar here is St. Lawrence at 0-2. So speaking of Hobart, we have 
Ted Baker on the line, the uh, radio of the vo- radio voice of the, the the statesman from Hobart. He's going to join us here for a couple minutes before our first guest, Chris Coney and, and Ben Rappel. Folks, I, I'd like to welcome Ted to, to the show. Ted's a one of the class of the industry. If you've never had a chance to, to listen to a Hobart radio broadcast, folks, tune in sometime, and Ted will tell you how to tune in. Because, folks, this guy's a pro. He's an ace. We're happy to have him here. Welcome, Ted. Oh, thank you. The pleasure's mine. So uh, you're sitting here with uh, Frank Rossi and Eric Wren on Block Talk Radio, Liberty League in the Huddle, on a Sunday evening. Ted, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I'm sitting here. I feel like I should be on one of those... Uh, you know, the CBS Ultimate Fighting. I'm, I'm in between the two radio voices of, of a closely fought contest that just happened this weekend. Are, any words of, uh, of uh, you know, combativeness here for Frank? <laughs> no, I just, well, it was funny because the uh, stat computer froze up yesterday during the game, so we never got final numbers on the air when I heard that Coney ran for 241 yards. <laughs> wow, it's, uh, I knew he had a lot, but uh, he did the job, and, uh, somebody said something about uh, a bit of a surprise that Union won the game. I don't think anybody was really that surprised. Uh, these two teams get together, and it always comes down to the final seconds, and uh, no, no surprise that it was that way again yesterday. Well, Ted, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's been a uh, very interesting season so far in the Liberty League. I mean, right now, I don't think anyone's really surprised that RPI is sitting atop uh, at 2-0, but I think a lot of folks going into this season really thought you'd see – RPI, Hobart, Union kind of pushing up at the top. Rochester going to make some noise, but here we are, you know, four or five weeks in, and it's kind of an interesting landscape. And, uh, you know, I think Union just just made it a little more interesting on Saturday out in Geneva. Well, I just think uh, with a program with the background of Union's, you know, they come off a down year at 5-5. Five and five. They get off to a slow start this year, and everybody just says, okay, when are they going to unleash it and get back into the middle of things? And I think we saw the first salvo fired yesterday. And like you said, the way things are going in the league, I don't think they're out of it with two league losses. You have that whole pack with one loss, a bunch of them play each other, and, you know, this might be one of those multiple tie atop the league scenarios with three or four two-loss teams when we get down to the end of the year. Well, you, you've got, as far as Hobart's concerned, it's, I'd, say, I'd say the real, real crux and, and meat of, of the schedule is, is yet to be played. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule right now, and, uh, you know, Hobart certainly has some games ahead of them that could, could help define the landscape. Uh, next week, Hobart, I believe is your bye week, but the week after that, you face a, a Merchant Marine Academy that's always willing to give a hard game, but then you get into WPI November 1st, followed by RPI, which a lot of folks have penciled in their calendar as a potential showdown for uh, the Liberty League title, you know, and then I still think that that game could be on track for that, finally rounding out against Rochester at this point in time. I mean, Rochester, you know, a couple surprising losses the last couple weeks. Um, they're sitting at one and two, so they could play spoiler at the end of the year. But, hey, a lot of football left to be played for Hobart, Ted. Yeah, I think the team that really surprises me so far on the downside is uh, Rochester because you think of them as being a very good offensive team. Over the years, they've been able to put a lot of points on the board, and suddenly this year they just can't score at all. And uh, You know, you get the feeling that won't last all year. Hobart is on a run of four straight NCAA tournament appearances, and in each of those four seasons, they've beaten either Union, Rensselaer, or both. So uh, obviously that RPI game on November 8th, uh, in Troy looms pretty large. You just made a comment. I know Frank Rossi's chopping at the bit to uh, interject here, but Ted, Frank and I talked about this. It's funny. Folks who have been following the Liberty League 
since its inception, um, you know, the, the talk historically, when you talk about Liberty League football and you predate it back to the, the UAA and, 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 and upstate New York, um, the traditional powers, the, 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 the unions um, really being for a long time the class of, of, of what really makes up the conference today. But, hey, you go back and you look at this conference, and Frank and I were doing this kind of on our own here in week one. 2004, Hobart, 7 0 in the Liberty League. 2005, 6 and 1 in the Liberty League. 2006, 5 and 1. 2007, 6 and 1. 2008, you were 2 and 1 right now. But never, never lost more than one game a season in the Liberty League Conference. You know, talk about a team that has quietly established itself as arguably the class of the league in terms of, of, of win loss performance and postseason appearances. I mean, you guys are on a roll. Yeah, uh, Mike Craig has really been able to build a program here. I mean, he had some great quarterbacks in Sean Misro. Uh, then last year, Andrew Strom, the junior college transfer. Rich Doyle as his understudy each year. And we saw this in the Union game yesterday. One of the things Hobart likes to do is get those backup guys in in big games and get their feet wet. We saw Doug Vella, the quarterback of the future, come in and play a couple of series yesterday. Uh, great depth has always been a part of Hobart's game plan. You've got two good tailbacks in Hobika and Marlier, so you've got fresh legs. They rotate as many as seven different guys on the defensive line. So it's a team that's very deep. They're not afraid to go deep off the bench, and they've got a good recruiting pipeline to where they just seem to be able to reload every year. And, uh, you know, they know that the road to the Liberty League championship pretty much always runs through Union, RPI, or both, and I don't think that's going to be any different this year. We are in the huddle with Ted Baker, the radio voice on WEOS for the Hobart Statesman of the Statesman Football Radio Network. And I'm Frank Rossi, uh, who was standing uh, probably about, what, six feet uh, away from you uh, yesterday for most of the day, Ted. And uh, it was a pleasure to do so, as always, and thanks for joining us. Well, I'm glad to be here. Uh, unfortunately, it was uh, all the happy yelling was coming from the booth to my right at the end instead of uh, the one to your left. But <laughs> like I say, when these two teams get together, you expect that kind of a finish, and uh, it was a great game for the fans to watch and a great game to broadcast. Ted, there's been some criticism uh, about Hobart, maybe not criticism, but concern, I think, is a better word for it, that they haven't put together truly a great offensive and defensive performance in the same game this season yet. And yesterday seemed maybe to be their chance to do it, and it didn't really happen. At least, it, you know, the special teams may have let them down more than anything else in the first half, and some of the uh, decisions that were made are questionable. You know, second-guessing, though, is not a great thing to do because football is an at-the-moment type of sport. But what, what do you make of the concern about that offense and defense not really corresponding in one game yet, and how strong do you think Hobart really is if that does happen? Well, I think you're right. They haven't put together a good game on both sides of the ball. The way I've described Hobart for most of this year is the offense has been good enough to get games in the win column. The defense has been very, very good. But behind the scenes, you look at the numbers and you look at that yards allowed rushing. They came into yesterday's game seventh in the Liberty League in rushing yards allowed, and Union took advantage of that. I mean, Chris Coney was just a fantastic back. The 51-yard touchdown run looked like he was wrapped up about five yards downfield popped loose and uh, just took off to the end zone. I think that they're bringing Rich Doyle along. and I mean, that sounds kind of funny to say with a senior quarterback, but he's not experienced, and he just isn't the thrower that the last couple of guys have been. Uh, th this Hobart team is kind of making itself over from a primarily pass team to a primarily run team. And as far as the defense, I don't really have the answer as, for, as far as stopping the run because overall – their points-per-game numbers uh, before the 38 yesterday 
were looking pretty good, and the pass defense was first in the league, but for whatever reason, they've had difficulty stopping the run. So uh, it's a team that uh, I think is good enough to win the Liberty League, but this year you can say that about maybe four or five teams. Hey, Ted, uh, we're going to uh, ask you to stay with us. Uh, We've got uh, Union College uh, players coming up, and uh, I know you might have some questions for them uh, coming from your vantage point of the game yesterday especially. So uh, are you able to join us for the next, let's say, 15, 20 minutes? Sure thing, no problem. Why don't we actually take a uh, break right now? I know uh, our our good friend Pat Coleman might be listening right now uh, from d3football.com. And, uh, you know, we definitely want to give props to him. I kept checking the scoreboard on d3football.com all day yesterday during the game. I know that does the same before, during, and after the game. So we want to send out our thanks to Pat and his crew at d3football.com, and I believe we have an ad for them coming up right now. But remember, folks, it's Sunday night, so you are in the huddle. All season long, let D3Football.com be your home for all the Division Three football action on the road to the Stag Bowl. From interactive blogs and message boards to columns from around the region and around the nation on your favorite teams, nobody covers NCAA Division Three better than D3Football.com. As the playoffs approach, get the scoop on who's in and who's out from the experts who picked all 32 teams last year. Don't go anywhere else. Get the info from the source for Division Three football at www.D3Football.com. You are in the huddle. The only weekly talk show devoted to NCAA Division III Liberty League Conference College Football. And now back to Studio One in Saratoga Springs, New York. Your hosts, Eric Red and Frank Rossi. All right, we're back in the huddle. This is Eric Red, Frank Rossi, folks. It is the middle of the season. We were just joined there on the air after the weekly recap by by Ted Baker, the radio voice of the Hobart Statesman and one of the class class broadcasts of the industry, folks. I, I can't say enough about what a pleasure it is to listen to this broadcast, and we're privileged to have him with us tonight. So thank you very much for joining. We're going to move on to our first guests, and I will remind you, folks, just for a little bit of housekeeping items, we are going to open up the phone to, the phone to callers later on in the show, but we do ask that while we have guests like uh, coaches and players, we're not going to take calls. If you have a if you have a question for us, you're welcome to use our chat room interface. Uh, so please go ahead and log on through the chat window and send us questions that way, folks. It is a family show, so uh, you know let's keep it straight. Um, we do have coming up Chris Coney and Ben Rappel, kicker from Union. I'm Eric Ren, Frank Rossi. So why don't we go ahead and open up the phone? I don't really recognize numbers, so I'm, I'm going to take a stab at this here. I got one folk, gentleman on the air. Is that either Chris or, or Ben right there? Chris. Chris. How you doing, Chris? All right. Okay, I, I got two numbers waiting. Let me see if I can master this and figure out which one's Ben. Okay, so hang on a second. Ben, is Welcome that you? Eric Ren's match game here. That's right. Ben, is that you? Yeah, I'm uh, the 518 area code. So Ben and Chris are on. Yep. Guys, thanks right, for joining Chris. us. Thanks for joining us. I'll tell you what. Guys, you're in the huddle. I'm sure you're thrilled to be here. <laughs> but thank you very much for joining us on a Sunday night after your big win. Um, fantastic effort against Hobart to, to kind of – you know, right the ship, so to speak, and, and, and after some close losses. Uh, how you feeling tonight? Uh, why don't we start, you know, just, to mo- just to moderate this, I'll, I'll throw this one at you, Chris. How are you feeling right now after all those carries and, and, and all those rushing yards? You a little banged up? A little sore, but nothing to it. I'm feeling positive. Fantastic. How about you, Ben? I'm doing great. I mean, it was a great win for the team, and uh, I think the whole the whole squad's pretty excited. 
Hey guys, uh, Frank Rossi. Thanks for joining us in the huddle tonight. And uh, you gave me a, a barn burner to call yesterday. And you know, for a team that came into the game one and three, I can't remember seeing a Union team more jubilant. Maybe aside from the 2005 team that obviously went 10 and 0, but it took a 10 and 0 record for that kind of level of intensity. It seemed like yesterday you guys ran off the field at halftime 14-14. You would have thought you won the Super Bowl or something along those lines. I mean, what was going through everybody's mind at halftime when you guys probably were outplayed offensively at least in the first half, but somehow we're still tied going into that halftime? Uh, let's uh, start with Chris on that one. We uh, we just were a little motivated, needed to be a little motivated, and we got inspired by some of the captains and the players. We just positive thoughts was going through our minds is all. And, Ben, you had missed a field goal earlier uh, in the half, but your uh, counterpart on Hobart missed three of them uh, in the first half. And your extra points, uh, one was interesting. One hit off the upright and caromed in this week. It seemed like you were getting the bounces as opposed to a couple weeks ago in the Rochester game. Yeah, you know what? I mean, um, I, I came back from an off season last year of not playing, and, uh, and I really wanted to step up this year big. But uh, I think that a little bit of downtime had hurt my kicking ability. Um, but I, I just I just want to keep my head in the game, and after that first miss, I decided that I just really wanted to make sure I hit them all real solid and as straight as possible, and uh, and just get back into it. I had had a couple of misses uh, at the Rochester game, as you said, and just tried to get those out of my mind and uh, focus on the present time. Let's kind of move forward in the game because uh, there were a lot of key points, and I, I when I do the I, around the league segment, I try to keep them to within two minutes. There's no way to do it with this game because of how much there was in this game. I was exhausted by halftime myself just calling the game, and I don't even put on the pads and the helmet or anything, guys. But uh, let's go into that second quarter especially. Chris, I was uh, saying in the Around the League segment how the offense seemed to be sputtering for the Dutchman in the second quarter, but then you stepped up and really put the pedal to the metal. I was talking to uh, one of your coaches after the game yesterday, and he's going to kill me for doing this, but Alan Fiore, uh, is suggesting that he may have uh, reminded you after the last few weeks of you having good luck in terms of touchdowns, but not as much yardage as you might have wanted to have. You know, Chris, you got to run north-south. you just got to go full steam ahead. Was that what really led to the first touchdown, especially in the first half for you? Um, yeah, I would have to say so. And we just needed a little spark. So, so running north-south is what I usually know to do. And I just... Did you, did you know you would have as much influence in the game as you did end up having or was this something that just developed as the game went along um just as it as the game came along you know i took my role and just i did my job is all and uh you did your job you did it 243 yards uh worth you were out out rushed only by one player uh, i think in uh, division three yesterday who was actually also in the liberty league uh, dave pavlis of susquehanna but 243 yards is a whole lot of yards and three touchdowns. I know Eric's got a question for you guys. Yeah, I actually have a question for both of you. I'll start here with Chris. You just made a comment about, you know, kind of getting the job done. I look here at the schedule as it shapes up the rest of the year, Chris. You've got um, St. Lawrence next week. you got your bye. You've got, you know, the Dutch Shoes matchup, which is always a big emotional game on November 1st. Then, then you've got Merchant Marine, and then you've got Susquehanna. So I'd like to think you have a schedule that, shapes up as far as being able to get out there and put the pads on and feel very confident every week and, and feel like you can get out there and play. You, know, you look at college football and 
a lot of times what happens is as you move into a season, you know, a team gets hot, a player gets hot. You yourself right here had 243 yards, I believe, rushing three touchdowns. How much of a factor is there, Chris? I know you're only a, a sophomore, but you're playing like a veteran. You're playing like a junior or a senior. H- how much of a factor is it where you feel, hey, we're one and two in the conference, we still have a shot to win this thing, we still get to play RPI, and you know other teams have to play each other. Are you having this feeling where maybe there's some things where you, you look at the schedule and you say, you know what, we're not where we want to be, but we have some potential. I'm going to do some things to put this team on my shoulders and, and really help carry us for the rest of the season. Um, I don't know. That was that was a big one, but uh, the way I see it is, uh, I'm gonna take one day at a time, and I'm gonna work hard and try to try to have perfection for my end. And if I can't get perfection, I'm gonna strive for it. And I don't. I mean, everybody gets a little trials and tribulations thrown that way, but I'm gonna just make the best of it and and try to be the motivator for my team, if not verbally, like in my actions. Well, I got a, a question. Okay, I'm like sorry, a, I, like a true uh, a true team player there, but I, I got to believe though, Chris, you're thinking to yourself, hey, you know, when the game's on the line, you know, I want the ball in my hands. Like any big time player, whether it's a quarterback or running back or receiver, I mean, d- have you always felt, you know, you, you're a player that kind of strives on 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 the big game, the big play? Um, yeah, the big play comes. The big play comes, but I mean. It's the little one that counts because the little one's going to spring the big one. But, yeah, if the ball's in my hand, that's energy. So I'm just vibing off that energy trying to get it, you know. That's great. I have a question for Ben, and I'll turn it back over to Frank. It's a fantastic format, folks. We're trying something a little bit different here. We're on the phone with Chris Corey, uh, Chris Coney, I'm sorry, sophomore running back from Union, or Ben Rappel, kicker. Ben, you mentioned you missed last year. You come back this year, you know, our fans who are passionate about the Liberty League, I think you guys know that. You see it around you. You know, a lot of close games. You've had some struggles early in the season. You bounce back with a 5-for-5 PAT game and a game-winning field goal. Take us through the mindset, Ben, of a kicker and what your coaching staff does. When you struggle in a game, say, like against the Rochester versus you come back out and win a big one against Hobart, you know, Kicker's a little different position, right? I mean, it's like it's like a closer. It's like a relief pitcher. How, how, how do you, I guess, go about your business, especially coming back from a from a season layoff? You know, I mean, the the only way you can do it is is just stay focused and concentrate on what you're doing every play. Um, I mean, as far as the Rochester game, when we had that rough game, uh, I just I got to give Dino a lot of credit for keeping his faith in me. And I mean, I've got there's another great kicker on the team, uh, Zach Epley, who. Uh, who, I mean, he does a great job, and me and him have always just been battling it out. So the two of us kind of push each other to get better and better. And as far as, as the trials and tribulations go, I mean, when when it gets down to it, you're out there, and it's a team sport, but it's just you. Everybody's watching you. And, I mean, I grew up ski racing. That was a sport kind of similar. It's a situation where I've been put in a 100 times before, and you kind of you kind of end up looking forward to that. Um, you kind of – it's kick, – I mean, kicking is one of those – those spots where either you're the hero or the chump and you hope that you get in as many positions as you can to be that hero. Um, and I was just fortunate that Hobart, the Hobart game got me into the position where I was, I was able to uh, take advantage of it and go ahead and make the field goal. That's a great answer. It's a tenuous position to be in, right? You know, you win some, you lose some, but definitely got a lot of focus. You sound like a very positive young man. Frank, uh, I know you have a question. I, I think um, we still have Ted on the phone from, from the voice of the Hobart Statesman. Ted, uh, 
you're joined here with a couple players from the big win against uh, Hobart, Chris Coney and Ben Rappel. You, do you have anything uh, for these guys, Ted? Yeah, just one. Actually, uh, you stole my question for Ben. I was going to ask the same thing about the kicker's mentality and how it compares to a closer in football. But wh- I wanted to ask Chris, the 51-yard touchdown run, it-, it looked like you were stopped about five yards downfield. You were in a big pile of guys and then all of a sudden popped out. Uh, take us through that run and-, and what happened and how you got out of that crowd and got to the end zone. Well, um, it was it was balanced. It was a balanced offense, and uh, the play went towards the right side. And as going going through the line of scrimmage, I knew it was one guy to beat. And a guy, one of the guys, he got on his block, but not all the way. But he got a um, the defender from Hobart got a lot on me, but he only got me up top, upper body, and I just shook him off. And and I was like, nobody's catching me. Yeah, I mean, floor, I'm a Floridian. The speed, the speed is there, you know. And especially when it's combined with the help you get from the big guys up front, uh, your offensive line, especially in the middle, seemed like it was able to open up the holes all day. Oh, all credit goes to the O-line, all credit. Those guys, they give me a crease, I make a mile out of it. I love those guys. All right, uh, just remember when you win the Liberty League rushing title, uh, remember who helped you out, okay? Oh, I'll never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, man. <laughs> Let me let me uh, take a question here because I'm actually ironically uh, I flew into your hometown today, uh, Chris. I, I'm uh, going to school down in Coral Gables at U of uh, Miami. So after the game, I, flew, I went back to Syracuse, took JetBlue back down to Fort Lauderdale, and this is uh, your home area. And a lot of people will find that strange that you chose to go to a Division three school up in Schenectady, New York. Uh, I mean, how much did you know about Union? Why did you choose the school? And what do you think about the cold weather up there? All right, um, Union was a Union was a choice because uh, Coach Adino offered me uh, like he just he told me what it was all about academics first and then football. I never even heard of D three my whole life. Um, I always strive for the big schools because in Florida that's all we know. You know, UM, Florida State, and Florida. But um, I took advantage of my opportunity, and I'm trying to make the best of it and stay positive, even though it's not D one. But these guys give me a lot of respect here and. It goes back to them. Um, being in the cold weather, I hate it, but you got to <laughs> deal with it. So, did you have cold weather clothes, Chris? Um, no, not at all. I, I just <laughs> got a bag, sp- like ba- basically just for the winter, just one bag for the winter. You, where, where were you getting? Re- were you were getting recruited by any of the, the, the Florida schools coming out? Oh of no, the- not at all. Um, re- I was a, I was one of those kids who was skipped over. I mean, it's a lot of us trying to make the best opportunity for ourselves, but sometimes you get skipped over because it's just so many kids. Any regrets, or are you happy with where uh, your decision and where you're at oh, right now? I mean, I'm I'm happy with my decision because, I mean, it was the best of my options, so I took full advantage of it. Hey, Ben, i got another question for you. Take us through your decisions uh, for uh, going to Union College, uh, what your background is, and uh, what you think about your own decision. Well, I mean, um, I'm from Queensbury, New York, so it's not too far away. My grandfather actually lives just a couple blocks away from Union, and my, my mom grew up in Schenectady, and Schenectady's been a big part of my family. My whole family lives probably within about 20 minutes of here. Um, but believe it or not, I never actually really thought about Union because even though I was in Schenectady, we never really passed by it. But I got a call from Coach Ardino one day, and he had, uh, he had seen my recruiting tape. One of my coaches sent it in. And when when I came down to visit, I just I fell in love with the school. I fell in love with the program. 
I got to watch a great game. Union, uh, I believe it was actually the Union Hobart game that year, um, and it was just a great game. The the Union defense and the Union offense just looked fantastic, and also the opportunity that I was going to have. I mean, there was a there was a junior punter and there was no kicker, so that I was really going to be able to step in and instantly help out the team, and that was something I was looking forward to. Also, I mean, as I said earlier, I'm a, I'm a big fan of skiing, so uh, so there's not really a lot of uh, not really a lot of mountains down in Florida where Chris grew up, so I can't really go down there. And uh, and Union was just going to give me the option to do everything I love. Fantastic. Well, gentlemen, we really appreciate having you here. We're going to have to keep things rolling because we have Coach Steve Briggs from Susquehanna coming up, so we want to get him on the line. Um, we've been in the huddle with Chris Coney, sophomore running back from Union College, 243 yards rushing, three TDs, Ben Rappel the kicker. Big game for Ben, 5-for-5 in the PATs and 1-for-2 in the field goals, including the 28-yard game winner. Gentlemen, this has been a big win. You're back in the hunt. You took down a team that was sharing the lead in the conference title. We wish you nothing but success moving forward the rest of the season. You know, you still have a chance to do some things in a conference with an automatic qualifier. Um, I know I'm sure you got a lot of folks listening, uh, Chris and Ben, so why don't we give you a second to say hi to some folks. Chris, we'll let you go first. All right, I mean, there's not many people I can say hi to, but all the Union fans. And All right, what's up, Katie? Um, I don't know. And just all the lovers of Union. All, right. all the yeah. lovers of Union. Well, there you go. Chris Coney said it well. How about you, Ben? I mean, i got to agree with Chris on the, on the shout-out to the Union fans. They're, they're fantastic. you got to give a shout-out to all the Union parents because every week they probably put on the best tailgate in D3 football and possibly even some D1 schools. They do a great job. My parents. Never missed a game. You got to give them a huge shout out. Love them, and uh, and my roommates. They're uh, three more uh, senior football players. They're just they're my best boys, and uh, we, we all ball together. Well, there you go, folks. You've been in the huddle with Chris Coney and Ben Rappel. I'm Eric, and I'm Frank Rossi. We have a special guest with us as well. Ted Baker is going to. If you have a couple more minutes to stay with us, Ted, we like to carry you through for the next segment. We're going to take a break here and hear a word from the NCAA, who. Uh, we all play for. So, gentlemen, thanks a lot, and good luck the rest of this year. Hey, all thanks right. for having us on. Take care. So, EJ, we've designed you a signature shoe worthy of a three-time All-American with mad smarts and sick leadership skills. Ta-da! There are over 380,000 NCAA student-athletes. Yeah, you got your GPA in Boston, right? I love it. <laughs> and just about all of them will be going pro in something other than sports. Can I get it in a loafer for casual Fridays? Yes. Yes. You are listening to In the Huddle on blogtalkradio.com, the only source for weekly Liberty League action in NCAA Division Three football's Liberty League Conference. So once again, back to Studio One in Saratoga Springs, New York, your hosts, Eric Wren and Frank Rossi. Well, you are back in Studio One. I'm Eric Wren. You're joined here with Frank Rossi. We actually have a special guest on the line with us, Ted Baker, voice of the Hobart Statesman. Long, well, I should say long time. How long have you been doing that, Ted? Uh, well, overall, I've been doing play-by-play for 30 years. This is my fourth year with Hobart football. 30 years. Wow, Frank and I are babes in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Look yeah. at this experience. We, uh, we are a little bit behind schedule. With the lines, we're jammed up. We apologize, folks. Uh, blogtalkradio.com, you're in the, in the huddle. We're waiting on Coach Steve Briggs from Susquehanna to call in. So while, while Coach calls in, we'd just like to remind you that um, 
We had a crazy, crazy week of action yesterday. Uh, Union College went out to Geneva and upset Hobart. We just heard from Chris Coney, running back from, from Union College, as well as Ben Rappel, the kicker. And also, in a little bit of surprise, Susquehanna took down University of Rochester. So we're waiting for the Susquehanna coach, Steve Briggs, to call in. I'm Eric Ren, Frank Rossi, and Ted Baker. Ted, uh, so tell us, uh, you know, we talked about that, that, that spot we just did, that commercial. We, as these guys all go in something pro besides football. What, what is your gig, Ted? Are, are you, you actually do some, radio is your full-time thing, isn't it? Yeah, I actually I work for the commercial station in Geneva, and I, a couple of years ago, uh, there's no real broadcasting program at Hobart, so it's just kind of students that like to learn about sportscasting and do the games. And a few years ago, they just went through a period where they're having a difficult time finding students to call the games, so uh, they called me in to do the football and the lacrosse, which are really the two big sports at Hobart. And so I do the games uh, for the campus station, WEOS, and then I have a group of students who rotate. I actually have three different color guys that rotate in and out of games this year. That actually brings up an interesting point while we're waiting for Coach Briggs. I'm going to actually throw a question to you and Frank, two guys that uh, have done radio at their respective institutions. Frank Rossi, who's been the longtime play-by-play man for Union College Dutchman, who's actually going to start transitioning into uh, out of that role, and, and Ted Baker at Hobart. How, how do you guys, I mean, what, what's at a campus Division three, you know, now we're in the Liberty League. We got a conference that we play for a title for. What is the level of interest? How hard is it to get students to want to get involved and be on the air and be knowledgeable and, and understand the football team? And I'll throw that question at Frank first, and then we'll ask Ted. I, actually, I missed the question. Sorry, Eric. Uh, Coach Briggs having a little trouble getting uh, in on our line, so uh, just was uh, trying to get him on. He should be calling no, second. No problem. So, Ted, why don't you go first, and I'll follow along here. Well, I think okay. I'll, I'll repeat the question. The question was, you guys both do play-by-play. Ted for Hobart, Frank for Union College. Um, you're not students, obviously. Ted's been doing this 30 years. You're still a student. we got an issue, right? But um, you mentioned you've rotated a few different play-by-play folks. I'm, I, I'm just posing the question as a little bit of a fill here while waiting for Coach Briggs. The level of interest at these D3 campuses on the campus, how hard is it or what is the what what is the level of interest when you try and go out there and find students to get involved with these radio broadcasts and put a quality product on the air? Well, it seems to run in cycles because, again, like I said, Hobart doesn't have a specific communications program. You have some schools where they've got a communications program, so you've got kids going to school specifically that want to get into broadcasting. So this year has been a, a pretty heavy year. We've actually got, uh, like I said, there's three different guys that take turns doing color with me. Two of them are former football players, so they know the system and they know the guys, and uh, you know they get some of those kind of inside tidbits that, that I wouldn't get not being around the college kids every week. And then the uh, third guy is a former Hobart basketball player. So this year it's been no problem. It just seems to kind of come and go in cycles. Uh, that's what happened a few years ago when, when I got called in to do the play-by-play. It was just that there was a big shortage of students. So, you know, there just seemed to be up and down years. This particular year there's a lot of interest. Uh, there are a number of students who get a chance to do play-by-play on other sports because we have, of course, Hobart and then the women's school, William Smith, and uh, WEOS and its sister station, WHWS, do uh, men and women's soccer, they do field hockey, they do the men's and women's lacrosse. So there's a lot of opportunity for these kids to get a chance to see what play-by-play is all about. So we'll throw the same question back at Frank. Frank, you're trying to build a, uh, you know, a, a program over there to get students to, to, to broadcast. And, and the question I posed to Ted was, how hard is it to find students on campus who know enough about the game, who are interested, who are passionate about it? Because I think our folks out there, you know, you think this is 
Obviously, this is a professional product you try and put on the on, on, on the airwaves. Ted, you're, you're a real pro. You've been around forever. Frank, same with you. You've been doing this for a long time. But, you know, there's no school for this. There's no training. There's no classes you take, at least not at, at Hobart or, or RPI or, or Union. So what's, what's your read on this, Frank? Is it, is it a challenge to, to, to constantly find the student involvement? Frank, did I lose you again? Ted, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. I think we might be having an audio issue there. Not a big deal, but I, I tell you, and we're just about to pull pull up on the coach Steve Briggs from Susquehanna. Um, again, this is Eric Ren. You're in the huddle with uh, Frank Rossi, my co-host, who seems to be on, on mute again, and, and Ted Baker, longtime voice of uh, Hobart Statesman, who had a tough game this past weekend in a close loss to Union. Uh, special guest host with us who's staying with us. Ted, do you feel like staying through with Coach Briggs? Do you have any interest in that? Well, actually, if you guys don't mind, uh, I think my supper's waiting downstairs, so uh, I think I'll call it uh, a night for this night. But uh, feel free, uh, anytime we can talk Hobart or Liberty League or D3 football, I'll be happy to join you. See, Ted, that, that's the angle I was trying to take with this line of questioning. I'm trying to show our fans that as passionate we, as we are about this, you know, there still is the element of, you know, where, where professional meets converges with, you know, amateur D3. You've got to go have supper. <laughs> well, I'm also a morning guy, so it's almost my bedtime. I, uh, my, my morning show starts tomorrow morning at 5.30. Oh, well, there you go, folks. We're, we're glad to have had you. This, that, that, we've been joined as a, as a special guest host here by, by Mr. Ted Baker from Hobart, uh, the Hobart Radio Network. He's also a full-time radio guy out in Geneva. Ted, it's been a pleasure. You are always welcome. I, I, I say this sincerely. I think you're one of the class of, of the conference. You're one of the great radio voices out there. You do, you do your profession of service. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome anytime. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, I appreciate you saying I've been around forever, too. I don't think it's quite that long, but uh, pretty close. Well, I say that as <laughs> very altruistically as possible. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks. I, I, you guys, it, the show is terrific. It's a great resource for Liberty League fans, and uh, you do a good job with it, and I'd be happy to be a part of it anytime I can. Hey, thanks a lot, Ted. Have a great week, and good luck to the statesman for the rest of the year. I'm sure we'll be checking in with you soon uh, as we get more into the end of the season and playoff hunt looms. All right, sounds good. Take care, Ted. Thanks. All right, so there you go. That was Ted Baker, voice of Hobart statesman. I'm looking for my co-host, Frank Rossi. I'm not sure if he's on mute or if we have an issue. I'm going to go to a 212 number, though, real quick. I'm willing to bet that that's Frank. Well, it's Frank with Coach Briggs with him. Uh, of course, we had some uh, problems with the phone. So behind the scenes, while you were doing some uh, exciting uh, interviewing and saying, where the heck is Frank, I'm sure, uh, I fetched uh, Coach Briggs all the way from uh, Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania. And, Coach, are you still with us? Yeah, yes, I am, guys. Through the magic of radio, live radio over <laughs> the Internet, nothing like it. Let me tell you something. Coach, uh, you are in the huddle. Uh, somehow, some way, you are in the huddle. But yes. I want to congratulate you on many counts. For instance, last week you got your 100th victory, and it was in some kind of style during the sesquicentennial of Susquehanna. Uh, you guys came back from a 21-point deficit twice uh, to get a victory in that game, and then you carried that momentum through yesterday, and somehow, some way, people are a little shocked right now, maybe not you guys, but other people in the league are shocked that you guys are 2-1 and one and knocking on the door right now in the Liberty League and somewhat in control of your own destinies right now. And yeah, that was interesting. It's been, a, it's been an interesting two weeks. And, and, and I'd like you to know, Coach, that there's been a movement afoot in the Division Three ranks to officially amend that and call that the 
sesquicentennial. If you're okay, if you're okay yeah. with that, <laughs> yeah, that's that's quite all right. That's quite all right. It it, was, it really was. It was a, it was an incredible incredible game last week, and um, I've never been through anything like that in my life. I've been in this for 27 years, and I've never ever uh, it, remotely. And as we have a quarterback club here each Friday, and the first thing I said, you know, answering questions was, "Yeah, we worked on that exactly like that last Sunday and planned the whole thing." So. <laughs> It was amazing. We're joined by Coach Steve Briggs in the in the huddle of Susquehanna. Kind of got the hot hand there, Coach. Two uh, two wins in the last two weeks. You know, one one we'd call uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think you'd call it an upset. Some of our some of our listenership here who are picking U of R, knocking on the door for the crown of the Liberty League this year, might call it an upset. But two quality wins the last couple of weeks. I, I'm kind of preparing my notes here. You're, you're, you know, we're, we're thrilled to have you, and there's a lot of things we want to talk about, and you know. You mentioning last week just made me really jar my memory and think about, wait a minute, I didn't even put those notes down talking about last week. Coach talking about that unbelievable and probable come-from-behind win against Merchant Marine Academy at the end of the game. Coach, I don't, you know, we want to talk about yesterday's win against U of R, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a question that was on my mind and I asked your, your quarterback, Derek Pope, who was a guest last week. When, when you kick that ball long and you kicked it over the head of Merchant Marine, and you got that ball back with a little bit of time left at the end of the game. A lot of our folks, a lot of the folks that um, <clears throat> that do the uh, message board and Division3.com and kind of you know chat back and forth and, and follow things, the question was asked, why not just kick a field goal? Why the heck did you run the football? Why would you, why run, did you, run, why the would you run the ball? And, and the reason I, I'm asking that, it's not really the same scenario, but like you know, yesterday, for example, you know, Notre Dame tried to run a play. There was a fumble, and the time ran out. In your case, why risk a potential bad thing happening? Well, why not just kick a field goal? Uh, well, um, just to set it up, uh, what had happened prior to that, I think uh, you guys may have seen it in your notes. Merchant Marine had just uh, – we scored a touchdown, and um, believe it or not, we were talking on the sidelines, uh, myself and Nate Millen, my offense coordinator, about going for two because we had just had a a field goal blocked and one nearly blocked earlier in the game, and then lo and behold, they blocked the PAT. So uh, our protection to the right side was really breaking down, and a lot of that was uh, certainly the effort that Merchant Marine was going after it. And with the clock running, uh, we have a we have a facet in our in our offense which which many offenses do is just to hurry up and. We try with the 40-second clock to really use that to our advantage this year, and uh, we we practice that. We practice uh, getting set, hurry up, and snapping the football within five seconds. And uh, when we ran the football, two things were in my mind. Uh, one was to get it in the middle of the field as close as we could, and then the second was you know there was 18, 16 seconds left when we you know when we uh, got the football there and it was running down, and we run another one, and then. Um, snap it within five seconds, and actually uh, they did put one second back, but the clock didn't stop. In the end zone camera, we can see that there was actually three seconds left. So it all worked out. We planned it. <laughs> well, there you go, Coach. I mean, it worked out in your favor. You, you, you won an exciting, yeah. thrilling game, and obviously, and we're going to transition this to discussion around yesterday's game. You, tra- you, you turned that in, you parlayed that in success against Rochester. You know. You guys, if, if 
are kind of the X factor in a conference where I'll, I'll admit our fans, I would say the fan base in the Liberty League, the upstate New York fans, they don't know a lot about you guys. You know, you come in from, from a different conference, you're probably the farthest team away geographically. So, you know, we're getting to know you as far as the folks that have been around upstate for a long time, and, you know, they're thrilled to have you here. So here you are, you know, your first year in the conference, you know, not a lot of success. All of a sudden, second year, you're knocking on the door. Right now you're only one game off the lead in the Liberty League conference. You took on a U of R team that had tremendously high expectations. Every year they have high expectations for the last few years. Coach Scott Green, they're knocking on the door. You know, they think they're going to compete for the Liberty League title. Here you are, not being picked, I would say, as a preseason favorite for the conference title, but you, you make some noise. You're 3-0 at home, you know, home sweet home. You go into this game, and I want to ask you, Coach, I'm going to ask you a couple things. You know, early on, you have a nice 14-play, 87-yard drive. You chew up eight minutes of the clock. You fumble at the one for a touchback. You know, it's got to be kind of a kick in the gut right there. How, how, how do you, you know, take us through when that happens against the U of R where you really, you know, I would think you need to put some points on the board and keep as much momentum as possible because they're a quality team. How do you, uh, you know, rebound from that opening drive? Well, uh, in all honesty, uh, you hit it right in the head. They're, they're, they're a very good football team. Scott does a great job. Uh, gotten getting to know those guys a little bit, uh, class act, uh, great kids, you know the whole deal, the whole Liberty League facet. But yeah, you know, coming from what we've been doing, uh, you know, the whole thing that that we're trying to portray here is look forward to heck what just happened and and go. Uh, and I think, in all honesty, it really comes to uh, a, a situation that happened last year that I bring up quite a bit. Uh, we're up at Union. It's uh, 14 to nothing. I'm sorry, seven to nothing. Uh, late in the second quarter, we're driving on a 12-yard line, uh, looking to go in. Uh, and I don't know if you guys uh, remember that at all, but we uh, we ran a screenplay and then got the ball down tight. And uh, Derek Pope, our quarterback, happened to hit a, a receiver on crossing. Hit his the back of his shoulder pad popped up. Union's um, linebacker took it the other way and all of a sudden we're down 14 nothing instead of going in and you know trying to tie the football game well at that point our kids heads just went down and that's the worst thing that can happen to a football team from a, a coaching standpoint because my god the fight was gone you know and i use that in the off season and say guys that can't happen you know you look at the best teams in the in the league the rpis the unions the hobarts they overcome that you know, the, the best teams we've played here in, in, in our traditional um, area down here. And, you know, you got to build on the good things and forget about the bad things. And, and that, was, that, was, that was tough yesterday. You know, we drove, I think it was a 13, 14-play drive, um, and quite frankly, uh, really moving the ball and, and getting some getting Pav going a little bit, Dave Pavelitz, and uh, lo and behold, he tries to reach in the cross on, on the goal line with uh, – with the doggone football, and he fumbles in, goes out the corner of the end zone, and boom! Instead of uh, instead of points, there we are. They got the ball in the twenty, going the other way. So all I said was, I clapped. I said, "Keep your head up. It shows what we can do. Let's go. We got a long day." And um, and that's exactly what the kids did. They've been fighting every game this year, and I mean that sincerely. We went down to Moravia and played them in a hurricane, and gave them uh, spotted them three scores early. 
And then, quite frankly, we beat them the second half. We completely shut them down and scored uh, our points, and then we're going late, and they picked it in the end zone, did the same thing. And we won the next one, then we did the same thing at Lycoming. Lycoming's only loss uh, right now is a one-point loss to Ithaca at Ithaca. So that's a good football team. And then here we are at the end going for an onside kick to get the ball and go in and score. Uh, these kids haven't quit, and that's probably – the biggest point that I can say the difference between last year and this year, and as you guys said, in the Liberty League, we, we're getting to know these folks a little bit better. Uh, I played, um, we scrimmaged uh, Dino Union back in the mid-90s, and that's really the only cross we had up until this, you know, last year. So the travel is one thing, but the kids are getting used to it, and you know what, we're feeling a part of the league, which we really didn't feel last year. In my opinion, well, you definitely have some travel, and put the you're in your frequent your your frequent driver hotel points when you know. This <laughs> league. You, you, you said something, coach. I'm looking at my script here, and, and and believe it or not, we actually do script a few questions. And you you said something that is kind of taking me off track for a second. I know Frank wants to jump in, but um, one of the things a lot of folks in this league, you know, whether it be the fan boards or the message boards or, or the casual folks talking back and forth, always kind of walk around with, and I, I think I do, I'm a Liberty League guy, you know, I, I played for RPI before it was the Liberty League, is this little bit of a chip on our shoulder which says, you know, these other conferences, they get the press, they get the rankings, the Ohio's, the Wisconsin's, you know, these other conferences. You come into this conference from, you know, playing other Pennsylvania schools outside of upstate New York. Maybe you can give us a comment about your personal opinion on, on the quality of the football in this Upstate New York heavy, you know, obviously you got WPI out in Massachusetts, but for the most part, this Upstate New York Liberty League, you know, versus where you came from. I mean, because our fans, um, you know, they they they, they a great question, guys. We, we can play, right? We can play with anyone. I just want to hear your take on that. Oh, it's a great question, and it's a question that, quite frankly, I've answered quite often in the last year and a half. Uh, Two two ways. Uh, number one, it's 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 high quality. It's it's great academic institutions, which we're you know very very pleased to be associated with, and I can say that from an institution standpoint, uh, administratively. Um, I know the league a little bit more so than folks might think. I, I was on the NCAA uh, playoff committee for seven years prior to this, and. You know, of course, we each week we talked about uh, the Liberty Schools as well as I, I was a game rep for the NCAA playoffs for a couple of the games uh, that the Liberty teams had been in. So I did know the quality of the, of the league. What I didn't realize until we step into it, it's top to bottom. I, I mean, <laughs> and, and I'm speaking from the bottom because we happened to have been on the bottom a, a year ago. Uh, no it's quality football. I mean, there's no week it, It's week in, week out. It, it's incredible. It really is. And uh, the, the league we came from was the Middle Atlantic Conference, which had some traditional national powers, quite frankly. I mentioned Lycoming, which is our big rival. It's 30 miles up the road. Widener has won a national championship, and I think uh, back in the early two, 2000s they uh, played both Hobart as well as uh, Union in the playoffs. Um I'm a Springfield College guy, so I do know uh, the the relationships with with some of the the schools up that way. But it's quality football, and and on a national scale, it's quality football. And guys, let me tell you something: it's very very difficult to get one team in. Uh, you know, of course, we have automatic bids now. 
But look at in the, the Liberty League in the past couple of years has, has has been fortunate to have two in, and that's almost unheard of. It really is, and, and especially with this pool A, B, and C and how it does, it shows the reputation and the quality that we have. In, and, I'm, and I'm proud to say we, as in Liberty League, have nationally, and and our our teams have done pretty darn well when they get there. And there's some big boys, you know. I I haven't had the uh, dubious distinction of playing um, Mount Union or even do, done a game for Mount Union, but on a national scale, um, yeah, obviously they're the big boys, but we are, Eastern football is knocking on the on the door, and, you know, we're a big part of Eastern football. Does that help your recruiting, Coach? Sure does. You know, our base is still Pennsylvania. Uh, guys, uh, I'm a New Englander uh, through and through, but... I'm uh, I'm transplanted down in Pennsylvania, and there's some awfully good football in Pennsylvania, and uh, I know there is in upstate New York also, as well as everywhere. But um, our base is PA. Uh, we're 50 miles from Beaver Stadium. That you know, 110,000 people go every weekend at their home, and we're right on the the eastern or the western fringe of the Pennsylvania coal regions, which is uh, you know pretty darn good. Uh, blue-collar national hard football So on the high school level. So it, our recruiting is here, but the visibility that we get by going up and, um, you know, up in crisscross in New York State and into New England and, and with WPI, which we go again in a couple of weeks, but um, it, it's darn good. And, and, and as I said, you know, we're trying to get the best people, and we're very, very pleased to be in the league. Where you are, are in the Eric Renner, Frank Rossi, Coach Steve Briggs from Susquehanna Crusaders, just remind you folks that you know it's Sunday night, so we're we're here and we're talking Liberty League. Frank Rossi, my esteemed counterpart, we had a little bit of phone difficulties before, but you're back in full effect, buddy. Oh, I like to think so every so often, at least, uh, Coach. We appreciate you joining us uh, in the huddle here. I want to look ahead to next week. Um, you've got a team uh, that's been uh, not playing for the last week because they had the bye. That's RPI. Right now they're 4-0 and overall, 2-0 and in the league. Uh, not an easy situation. You're going to be on the road. Uh, I think it's your second longest road trip of the season. You just mentioned your longest one in a few weeks will be uh, WPI, but this is a pretty long one too. I mean, is it tough enough playing on the road and then going that distance and then also playing a team that is in this position? And do you look at the Union game yesterday to take any inspiration? Were they beaten undefeated Hobart on the road uh, yesterday, as you heard, 38-35? to Do you take any inspiration from that type of scenario going into this RPI game? Well, I, I think so. I, uh, you know, as – as you look at this, um, we try to go one step at a time, one week at a time. But doggone schedule makers, I don't know, they're 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 giving us the best. Not only do we have to go to RPI, but you know they gave them a week off before us, so <laughs> it's it's a it's going to be a tough haul. There's no question. We're we're watching them today, and you know I'm uh, I make a kind of a joking comment, but, you know, how, how are we going to sneak 12 people on the field on both sides of the ball? That's that's the first thing we're trying to do here. They're they're very good. They're sound, um, you know, and, and there's a little bit of a connection there, and I say a little bit. Uh, Jimmy Robertson's younger brother, or older brother was our quarterback here um, and uh, a few years back, and it's, it's just they're a great football team, well-coached, they they play with confidence. They're big. They're strong. Um, 
interesting. We had seen them because they, uh, U of R played them a week ago, so we had their last game actually a week ago. So certainly uh, it's all in the computer, and our, we're looking at that heavily now, but we did get a chance to look at them last week. And they don't make mistakes, guys. You know that. And um, we we got to play we got to play flawless football and go up there and uh, see if we can take it one step at a time, like I'm saying. Would you uh, call your team – it's tough to grasp looking at the stats, and uh, I kind of know the answer, I think, but uh, let's hear it straight from the horse's mouth, as they say. Would you call your team more of a running team or a passing team, uh, especially this year? I mean, we saw Pope with well over 300 yards against Merchant Marine, but that was kind of a, in a necessity role. Then Dave uh, Pavelis, as you said yesterday, 288 yards – uh, which would be a record for most schools uh, in the Liberty League. It might be for you guys. I, I didn't catch whether it was or wasn't, but, I mean, uh, incredible performance by him. What are you guys offensively for those that might not be familiar? Well, we're, we're going uh, to take, uh, take, take advantage of what we think we can do to a, to a defense. And uh, a week ago we were playing catch-up. As, as you alluded to earlier, we were down 21 uh, points, I don't know how many times in a game. Uh, you can't really you can't really give the the bean on a power or or an off tackle play <laughs> when you're down that far. So that that is one of the reasons why we we did what we did against Merchant Marine. Uh, and then yesterday we were we were up. We we jumped up uh, twenty point or twenty to seven, twenty one to seven um, in the third quarter. Um, you know, the fourth quarter, whatever it was, but. As in, as importantly, uh, you know, we we missed two field goals, and as as we talked about, fumbled the, the ball away on the one inch line, out of the end zone. Um, so we feel we left a lot of points on the on the field. Uh, so when you're in that scenario, with the way the clock's working this year, we're going to run the football. Especially we got some kids, and uh, we feel we can do so. We're a very veteran offense, guys. I only uh, I believe we lost two guys from the whole group of a year ago. And um, as importantly, and probably the reason why we're having the success we are right now is defensively we've stepped it up in, in a big way. So, um, you know, guys that see us on film and know us uh, probably can can attest to that. But still, it's a matter of executing and, and doing what we sh- we should do. And and that's the difference between the two games that you mentioned. You know, we were up and we can run the football. We feel, um, and we happen to to take it. Uh, take it to U of R a little bit yesterday, and more as importantly, we didn't want those uh, big number thirty four running the football like he did. Uh, so if we had it, he didn't yesterday. Well, Coach, we are in the huddle. This is Eric Ryan, joined by my co-host Frank Rossi. We're with Coach Steve Briggs from Susquehanna Crusaders, who just attained his hundred first victory the other day. That's however you slice it. Whenever you hit a hundred, I mean that's a big number in college football, Coach. Our hats are off to you. That's a great achievement. Fine institution, Susquehanna down Selins Grove. You're actually one game off the lead in the Liberty League standings right now. RPI's at two and zero in the conference. You're at two and one. You have a chance to uh, tie them with a, with a, with a you know head-to-head victory next week in Troy. So you got your work cut out for you, Coach. Uh, we do have to wrap up. We uh, a little bit behind schedule. We can sit and talk to you all day. You've been a great interview. It's fantastic having you. You know, this is something we're you know we're we're trying to bring out to the fans of the league. We think we have a great conference. We got great teams. We got great people to talk to, and it's been a pleasure having you on. You have anything, uh, you know, any any parting words or message for uh, the listeners out there, Frank and I? Again, we're very thrilled to have you here, Coach Briggs. 
Listen, thank you. Thanks for having myself and, and Derek last week, Derek Pope, our quarterback, and we, we're honored to be part of it. And uh, just, just uh, it's a pleasure having you guys think of us. So trying to do it one step at a time, and uh, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll see you in Troy. Fantastic, Coach. Again, you've been listening to Coach Steve Briggs on the huddle, Coach head coach of Susquehanna, who has, who's on a roll right now, a couple big wins in the last couple weeks. You know, we're trying to get some interest across the, 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 the teams that folks maybe not don't know a lot about. You know, you know a lot about some of the other teams, but, hey, Susquehanna has a good story this year, 2-1 the Liberty League, and they have a chance to, to do some more noise this week in Troy coming up against RPI. I'm Eric Redden, and joined with Frank Rossi. We're going to take you to a commercial here from D3 Football, then we're going to be back with our next guest, Justin Wells. Thanks again, and remember, you're in the huddle. All season long, let D3Football.com be your home for all the Division Three football action on the road to the Stag Bowl. From interactive blogs and message boards to columns from around the region and around the nation on your favorite teams, nobody covers NCAA Division Three better than D3Football.com. As the playoffs approach, get the scoop on who's in and who's out from the experts who picked all 32 teams last year. Don't go anywhere else. Get the info from the source for Division Three football at www.D3Football.com. Back with in the huddle on blogtalkradio.com, the only talk show devoted to NCAA Division III college football's Liberty League Conference. Once again, from Studio One in Saratoga Springs, New York, your hosts, Eric Redden and Frank Rossi. And welcome back to In the Huddle. Frank Rossi uh, here. Actually, uh, I'm only in spirit in Studio One in uh, Saratoga Springs, New York. I'm uh, calling from now rainy Coral Gables, Florida. Oh, uh, the experience for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, but uh, hopefully the rainstorm doesn't take me with it. If uh, if you lose me, Eric, you'll know why now. But we, we've gone from Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania, and we're going to go across the league, literally, all the way across its geographic opposite, uh, we're going to talk to Justin Wells, whose team last season uh, experienced a really tough game against uh, Steve Briggs' team. I believe it was an 8-7 final, zero seconds on the clock, uh, Susquehanna's score. But this season seems to be turning out a lot differently than what WPI was experiencing around the same time uh, last year. Uh, we'll talk about that with Justin right now. Let's have Justin Wells join us in the huddle. Justin, you with us? Yeah, I'm I'm here. Justin, thanks for joining us tonight here on In the Huddle. Uh, Frank Rossi, Eric Wren with you. And uh, I was just bringing up a game uh, from last year uh, that you might remember pretty well. It was an 8-7 to seven, uh, loss to Susquehanna, unfortunately. Uh, I, you know, Coach Briggs obviously has some uh, not-so-fond memories of him from last year. Yeah, that, that game was just unbelievable, too. Honestly. I mean, and the worst part about it was the week four, you know, we played RPI, and, you know, we had them – after three quarters and then went in double overtime and ended up losing that one. And then the week after, just, you know, it was a rainstorm, coldest game I've ever been a part of. And then it comes down to, like you said, zero seconds on the clock. They go for a two-point conversion and win the game. And, you know, it's, everyone was just stunned, kind of standing there, like, what just happened? And that was definitely one of the toughest games I've ever been a part of. And I know it was actually um, our senior night because – it was the last senior game at home, and they were just, like, the seniors were standing there just baffled. Like, I can't believe that just happened. It was definitely tough to see them go like that. Well, I take you there for a reason, though, because, uh, you know, they always say through adversity you learn uh, how to persevere through life. And let's look at what started happening this year. You guys uh, went to a somewhat similar start, uh, winning your first three in a row, I think it was this year. 
Uh, and then uh, you run into uh, RPI uh, team that uh, obviously things didn't work out as well as you wanted them to. You guys were in that game, though, no doubt about it, lost at 35-21. But then instead of turning downhill, last year you won four, lost six uh, in that order. This year you won three, lost one. Now you've won two, especially against Union on your guys' homecoming in a real hard-fought game. I think everybody will admit on both sides of the ball. Did you learn a lot from last year's last six games to maybe avoid some of the downhill slope that you guys saw last year with this year's set of games? Oh, definitely. And the thing is, it's not. it wasn't just last year. I mean, we've just – it seems like throughout my career here at WFL, we've just had games that it's just – it's been the last second or we've we've had the game won pretty much in the fourth quarter and then something just always happened. And so after, after that RPI game, you know, we, we did. We started off 3-0. And after the RPI game, you know, there were some people, you know, oh, well, here's the same thing again, WPI is starting out strong, and then here it goes um, the wrong way. But we definitely turned around against Union, and I think, to be honest, it was the biggest win we've ever had here, just from a confidence standpoint. I think, you know, we established ourselves a little bit with that win over Union, like we can play with these guys, you know, the, the upper echelon of the Liberty League, which over the past few years we've definitely struggled against. And I think even the UMass Dartmouth game, our first game of the year, I'm sure you guys saw it went to five overtimes. And I, I said to the team after, you know, I was just like, I just looked at them like, you know, over the last three years, we've always, always lost these type of games. They end up going, you know, multiple overtimes, just back and forth. And like, we've always lost these just by the skin of our teeth. And this year we pulled it out. And and all the coaches agreed. They were like, you know, it's just a different team this year. Like, that's what's going to happen. And we've been rolling ever since. Hey, Justin, let me ask you yeah. one question. You just mentioned UMass Dartmouth. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Frank. That just made Go me think one thing. You play in the Liberty League. You're playing Hobart, Rochester, RPI, Union. I mean, you're playing some phenomenal teams. You know, is it a different gear for you? I mean, you know, when you come west, right, and you play this schedule, this conference schedule, this is like being in the SEC at the Division Three level, right? I mean, it's got to be a different oh. gear for, for you guys out there in Worcester. Oh, it definitely is. And I was listening to uh, the social Hannah coach, and like he said, you know, it's every week anything I, like you guys were talking about, you know, Union knocking off Hobart this week. I mean, I, if you ask, you know, 100 people, they're going to say, you know, 90 of them are going to say, well, Hobart's probably going to take this one this weekend. It's just like that every single week. Um, and really, you know, I mean, it's cliche, but this this year we've been saying our coach loom really started is every week go 1-0 and because you can't, you can never look past an opponent in the Liberty League. You really can't. Um, so every week you got to prepare for the team coming in, no matter what their record is. Like, it's pretty much records are out the window every week in the Liberty League, and um, it's. I mean, you can't say you change gears when you start playing in the conference, but in, in a way you do. You know, once you get out of your out of conference schedule, it's like, okay, well now now it's time you really got to turn it on and focus up every single week because you know that it's going to be a battle, and it always it always is. You're in the huddle with Frank Rossi and Eric Ren, being joined by Justin Wells, quarterback, senior quarterback for the WPI Engineers. And, you know, you just uh, mentioned your coach, as We had him on earlier in the season, uh, and, boy, I'll tell you, Eric, uh, you probably uh, would agree with me here. We could have had him on for hours and just talked to him about different anecdotes and stories I and whatnot. I want to have him for Thanksgiving dinner with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, you don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, wait a minute now. <laughs> now, tell us what it's like playing for Coach Saloom and why you chose to play for him. Oh, Coach Loom, he's he's definitely a great guy, but I mean, like I said, he'll he'll talk for hours. You guys could have had him on all night; he would have put you right to bed. But he's uh, he's definitely <laughs> a great guy, and uh, yeah, he, you know, he, the thing about him is he he really cares about the players. Like, I mean, he wants he wants us to win. He wants the best for us. But he, he the first thing he says 
to me and I know everyone who's recruits is you're coming to a great school and you're going to get a great education, which, you know, and, and we do here. And we, every, and we come out with, I think it's maybe, you know, in the, we're in the top five in the Northeast for, like, you know, salaries, graduating, something like that. And, we, I mean, that's what he tells you. He, I mean, he wants you to come here and play football, be successful, but he wants you to be successful, like, in the future as a person, which really I think is one of Coach Lund's best, his strongest assets, especially in recruiting. I think he really does a good job with that, and he's, just, he's been a great guy for the last four years. Justin, let's put you on the spot for a second. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Talk about football, you know, the, the remaining schedule. you got to buy next week, then on the 25th you come back and you have Rochester at home, a team that um, – you know, early on in the season, had really high expectations. Thought they were going to be up there at the, at the gunning for the, the playoff. You know, NCAA playoffs at the top of the season. They've had a couple tough. Uh, they had a tough loss to RPI, and then a tough loss uh, the other day to Susquehanna. Then you go out to Hobart to Geneva on the first. Then you're back home against Susquehanna, and you're back on the road against St. Lawrence. You know, I look at the league this year. Pretty wide open. RPI is two and zero. However, they have what would folks would consider probably to be there are two hardest games remaining. Obviously, Rochester's a tough foe, but clearly uh, RPI, you know, the rest of the year with Hobart and Union, those are some tough games. You guys are right game, one game behind them at 2-1, and one, the only loss being to RPI, right in the thick of things. I look at this schedule, and like what we talked about, this being pretty wide open conference this year, there's got to be some pretty good optimism in Worcester, you know, taking coach's philosophy of going one game, at, you know, one win at a time, thinking to yourself, okay, you know, we didn't win in Troy, tough game, but... You know, let's win out. And I'll tell you what, every year this conference for the last couple of years has sent two teams to the NCAAs. You could potentially end the season, you know, with one loss and be right in the driver's seat. Or eight and, you know, nine and one, eight and two. I got to believe, you know, you never want to predict, you never want to play, you know, look beyond next week's opponent. But tell me honestly for our fans, there's got to be some motivation there in Worcester thinking, hey, we're not too far in too bad a position right now. Oh, I mean, and like you said, with the going one over week, that's all, always our focus. But I, I'd, be, I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that, you know, it's that it, we're thinking about it. It's, you know, you see it, and it's like this week you see Union knocking off Hobart, and you, just, you know that, I mean, that we're kind of control our own destiny from here on out. You know, we, like you said, we lost a tough one to RPI, which obviously would have been a huge win for us and put us really in the driver's seat. But at this point, we really control our own destiny. We can't control what other people do. We control what we do. I mean, think about that for a second, Justin. RPI still has the Dutch shoes against the Union, throw the records out the window there, and they have a hungry Hobart team. You know, theoretically, RPI could go, you know, 0-2 in those games, you win out, and you win the Liberty League. It's got to be a pretty exciting time for you guys right now. Oh, it definitely is. And, I mean, like I said, definitely glad we have the bye week this week. You know, I'm a little beat up after the last few weeks. It's good to get some rest. I know a lot of the guys are. So we'll get off our feet this week. And then Rochester always seems to play us really tough. I know – we, my freshman year, we pulled out an unbelievable win against them, and we've lost them the last two years. This, their defense really gives us a lot of trouble, so we're uh, we're going to start breaking down film this week on them. You know, have the weekend. I think a lot of guys will head home and get off their feet a little bit, and we'll come back ready for Rochester. And it starts from there, and then finish up the rest of the season hopefully strong. And like you guys said, you know, I mean, right now RPI has two games on us, which is tough, but hopefully we'll finish up the rest of the season the way we can play and see what see where the cards fall at the end. Hey, Justin, when, uh, this is Frank Rossi. Uh, let me actually remind callers, uh, prospective callers here, uh, because after Justin, uh, it's your turn. Uh, we'll turn over the uh, airwaves to our listeners. So I uh, start calling in, folks. We've got uh, lines open. I know it's 
646-200-0576. Again, 646-200-0576. Or hit us up in the chat room and ask us questions there. We're going to do our predictions at the end of the show. But uh, I have one more question for you, uh, and then we're going to let you do some shout-outs. But let me ask you this. We talked with Coach Zaluma, as uh, we said, and uh, we watched the RPI game and saw Mike Swanton coming in uh, during some crucial times in that game. He's a junior quarterback for your team. And Coach Loom said he would definitely be switching in Mike Swanton during some of those times to give him the experience. He's just that good of a quarterback. Tell us about your relationship with Mike and how you feel about sharing time with him in that situation. Oh, you know, Mike's a great guy. We, him and I have definitely got along, especially for the past um, past few years, because we were kind of both backing up um, Rob Pinnell for the last few years. So we've definitely gone to grown a uh, really good relationship together and you know he like coach said he is he's a great quarterback great player and I know when he goes in that he's going to manage the team just as well as I can and he's going to get the job done and I agree with coach that getting Mike in and some key times is going to help us down the long run because like I think he like he said is you know you never know when something freak a freak injury anything could happen so it's always good to keep Mike on the bench just ready to go whenever uh whenever he's whenever he's, we're going to need him so and, and you know, like I said, um, Mike and I, I mean, during practice, you know, we each go, like, three reps at a time, in and out, so it works out great, and we each we each get um equal amount of reps, and then on game day, it's just we see what happens. Well, okay, it's time for your shout-outs. Who uh, who might be listening? Who do you want to say hello to tonight? Um, I think uh, a couple of my receivers are listening, uh, Dave Perry, R.C. Grady, and Cody McGregor, and we got a uh, couple of alumni, uh, Matt Berger, I think, is probably listening in, so I'll give a shout-out to those guys. Let me say one thing. Uh, when I was calling your game uh, two uh, weeks ago, or two games ago, uh, Uni RPI game, or Uni WPI game, excuse me, uh, Grady was somebody I didn't even have to see his number because he is huge compared to the rest yeah. of the guys in that field. It's uh, unbelievable from a distance. So uh, he gave me nightmares during that game, uh, although he made it easy to call the game for standing out from the rest of the uh, club. So I'll say hello to him also. And congratulations you, to him. you, Frank. You're about five, what, five? Buck fifty, come on. Five nine one sixty five, but we'll get into that another time. My goodness, what, what are you, Eric? Can we, where are we going to go there? Oh, my weight's a little irrelevant. My playing weight was uh, two seventy eight. We're in that ballpark now. We're, we're you know, we're we're still. Eh, we got a little bit of muscle still. <laughs> I still have my four years of eligibility left. That's all I know. But nonetheless, we want to thank Justin Wells for joining us here in the huddle tonight. Don't mind us, Justin. We're just too dueling guys from Union and RPI. In a few weeks, we're going to have our uh, war shoes on, basically, uh, going at each other. But for now, we want to bring out the rest of the Liberty League and congratulate guys like you who had a great day yesterday and a great season overall. So keep up the good work. Enjoy the week off. But uh, get ready for down the stretch. Keep it going if you can do it for your uh, team and for your senior year. Yeah, look out for this WPI team, folks. This is a dark horse team. The schedule sets up good for you guys, and uh, I think you're going to make some noise, Justin. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot. We'll see what we can do. That was Justin Wells from WPI, senior quarterback. And we, again, want to thank Pat Coleman from D3Football.com for all his support and promotion throughout the week. So we want to uh, play this ad right now coming up. 
But don't forget to call us, folks, at 646-200-0576. And guess what? You are in the huddle for bonus coverage coming up. All season long, let D3Football.com be your home for all the Division Three football action on the road to the Stag Bowl. From interactive blogs and message boards to columns from around the region and around the nation on your favorite teams, nobody covers NCAA Division Three better than D3Football.com. As the playoffs approach, get the scoop on who's in and who's out from the experts who picked all 32 teams last year. Don't go anywhere else. Get the info from the source for Division Three football at www.d3football.com. You are in the huddle. The only weekly talk show devoted to NCAA Division Three Liberty League Conference college football. And now back to Studio One in Saratoga Springs, New York. Your hosts, Eric Red and Frank Rossi. Oh, Frank, I get goosebumps every time I hear that Rudy. You know? Oh, gosh. It, it, it ain't Notre Dame. It ain't right, is it, in your book? <laughs> hey, come on. You can relate to that. A lot of folks may not know this. You're the, the head coach of Union College, John Audino, played on that team with Rudy, 73 National Championship Notre Dame, right? There's a connection there. Well, I know for a fact that when we have Coach Ardino on, and we probably will uh, ahead of the shoes game, uh, he's always willing to come on with us, so uh, we'll definitely be accommodating that. We're trying to get each coach in the league on as we can uh, this season, and uh, we still have a few to go, and Coach Ardino is one of them. But I know you're going to be asking him the question, what was it like to play with Rudy? What the hell was it like for another game? That's cheesy. Oh, yeah, and who? since when have you avoided the cheese on this show, huh? I got a real question for you. Did you watch that Sox game last night? Wow. No, actually, I fell asleep. After calling that Union game, I was dead last night. I have to be honest with you. I don't know how those guys can get up for practice next morning playing the game. I can't even do it calling the game. You know where I watched that from? I was at Mount Snow, Vermont at an Oktoberfest, and I stayed at the uh, Matterhorn Inn Polish joint, all Polish speaking. They brought the buffet, the pierogies, the... uh, Golumpkies, the potato pancakes, folks, you gotta check it out. When you go skiing, go to the. You're, you're in the Northeast. Look up Mount Snow. Go to Mount Snow. Stay at the Matterhorn. First Saturday of every month, Polish buffet. Little little. And Rappel could have probably associate with you, saying how he enjoys <laughs> little, his skiing. Little impromptu plug, Frank. I think you know what we'll do. We got a patient listener here. We, we still have to make yeah. our predictions. We're in bonus coverage now. We got 35 minutes. Why don't we go to the phones? What do you think? I think we should do it because we, we kind of rob our listeners every week of this time. So I'm going to shut up right now. Let's see how this plays out. All right. We're going to remind you one thing, folks. It is open forum. You can call in. You're in the huddle. Eric Ren and Frank Rossi, Liberty League, Division III NCAA football. Call in number 646-200-0576. It's your time. We'd like to remind you it's a family show. So uh, keep it clean, please. You know, we, we respect your time, respect ours, and uh, let's be above board. 860, got to be a Connecticut number. I honestly don't know who this is, so I'm going to turn it on. Who's this? Hey, guys. It's uh, James calling. Uh, normally calling from L.A., but actually on the <laughs> East Coast this weekend. Oh, okay. Well, and, uh, we robbed him last week. We robbed him with time, so I'm glad he called back, actually. Well, James. don't know. James was on last week. James is from L.A. He happens to be in Northeast. James spent his hard-earned money, flew into New York, thinking he's going to come home, witness a big Hobart win, and didn't work out that way, did it, James? No, no. I was, uh, well, you know, it was one of those things. That it, I, 
I, I I knew that a one and three you know union team was probably you know better than advertised you know sort of like you know with your shoes game you can kind of throw out the records I mean they're our second oldest rival I think we've played them something ninety something times now and and you know it was just, it was another kind of classic matchup and and uh, you know there were some, some good plays there were some blown calls or some questionable coaching officiating I think on both sides of the ball. And you have to give credit to Union, man. They, uh, you know, they they ran for 250 yards against you know our defense, which is supposed to be the you know was supposed to be the strength of the of the team coming into the season. I just um, you know it's the third time I think in in the last couple of weeks where Hobart's really given up a lot of yards on the ground, and I think they're you know it's mid season. It's kind of going to have to be gut check time for them. Either they're going to you know, get back on the horse and and make a run at the league title, or you know, could be could be a rough rough uh, last uh, four games for them. Okay, let me let me throw this open to both of you guys. I want to talk about the game in a second, but I, we've been reading the message boards about rivalries, hundred hundredth game, ninetieth game, yada yada yada. How the heck do these teams get out two and a half hours by road or what would be two and a half hours these days, 90 years ago? I mean, this had to be like a three-day trek for teams back then because cars and buses uh, were not exactly plentiful back then. How what are you talking about? The play? freaking Erie Canal. I got a mule named Sal. What is it, 15 miles in the Erie Canal? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so they carried all those players, all 200-pound players across the way that way? Well, wait a minute. James, you're a Hobart guy. You probably majored in some foofy like history, right? What what was the uh what was the ra- railroad, right? Eighteen sixties? Yeah, well, I, I don't think Hobart started playing ball until about eighteen ninety. No, I, what I'm saying is railroads were in full effect back then. Oh yeah, sure. I'm sure that there was probably a train or yeah, and you know, I guess with all the finger lakes and yeah, the Erie Canals and all that, there was probably some, some method of, that they could have, you know, Traveled that way. It had to have been railroad <laughs> canal. <laughs> that would have taken like four or five days, man. <laughs> Probably. I, I don't know. I wasn't a history major at Hobart, so you. you got I know. I'm just messing idea. with you, man. That's a little inter- <laughs> That's a little trash talk going on. Trying to stir the pot a little bit. You're Don't actually be like that. <laughs> you're actually. A, I'm going to get off off topic for 20 seconds, just because I like sure. to pick your brain. You know, you're in the finance industry. Yep. How's your How's your last two weeks been, man? <laughs> Uh, you know, it's been it, it has been interesting. Obviously, the you know the the markets are still in a lot of turmoil. That you know the quote unquote bailout plan. I think you know obviously a lot of the politicians were were pushing that pretty hard. But you know, at the end of the day, you know Wall Street you know, still doesn't see this as the as the clear answer. You know, it's just um, there's it's going to take a you know take a while for this whole thing to to ride out. And you know, in my personal situation. You know, there's been a lot of changes um, with our senior leadership and uh, at the bank. I'll just say, you know, I work at Bank of America, so um, you know, John Thane coming in to take over the the investment bank unit is a is going to be a big change. There's going to be a lot of Merrill influence coming into the investment bank, so it'll be uh, it's going to be an interesting ride. But, well, know, fortunately, fortunately, it doesn't impact the high caliber of interleague play that's left to go in the Liberty League. I, I got to answer Exactly. That, you know, this is open forum, so I'm just going to throw it right out there. You were you were at the game. Frank was at the game. You know, I'm taking nothing away from Union, but I'm going to put this onus back in Hobart for a second. You're in the driver's seat. You've been, like, right up there, four playoff appearances in a row, classic conference. How do you lose that game at home, man? I mean, 
Yeah. What would you say, both of you guys, I'm sure you have each different answers, what was the biggest reason, you know, sum it up to one, one or two things. I'll start with Frank and then, and then you, James. What were the two biggest reasons, Frank, you felt where Hobart fell apart that game? Well, does that be Hobart falling apart or you winning the game? This is the argument I've been having online, at least on message boards. I think you can give it to both. I'll give you one of each. How's that? Well, I like I just that, said, I don't want to take anything uh, away from Union, but play the, let's, 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 I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt play, Frank. From Hobart. If you're in the film rooms and you're a Hobart person right now, just look at it from your standpoint. Okay. Well, James, go ahead. You can interrupt, and then I'll answer his question. All right. Basic, to me, if I had to do it in one word, it's defense. And the one thing that's – you know, I've been writing about this. I've been talking about it with other Hobart guys, um, you know, alums, fans, you know, and with the other schools. The bottom line was going into this year, the the strength of our team was supposed to be the defense. You know, we have this 300-pound defensive tackle Ryan Ruck, who's a senior. We had um, you know Justin Hager, who's a All-America linebacker. We have another guy, um, who uh, Jeff Sanders, who was injured last year but had one of the greatest you know, linebacking seasons in his junior year, like 100-something tackles. I mean, this amazing defense. And yet, against Dickinson, against Carnegie Mellon, and now against Union, we're getting torn up for like 200-something, 50 yards, 300 yards of rushing a game. It's like, you know, where, where does all this defensive talent, like how are we allowing so much yards rushing? So there's clearly something um, you know, wrong with – the Hobart yeah, defense. Think, don't you think when you play enough teams year in and year out, you find ways to like work around that kind of talent? I mean, it's not like you're Man. going out playing some team you've never seen before. It's the Union. Yeah. The union playing Hobart. Yeah, well, it's the Union's credit. It sounded like their their offensive line just dominated the the line of scrimmage, and that's really where this game was won and lost. I mean, people might point to the you know missed field goals that the the Hobart kicker wasn't able to convert, and you know, there's a couple other plays here and there. But the reality, you know, and you're you're an ex-lineman, so I'm sure you'll like this. But, you know, those guys just dominated the the front four. They made huge holes for Coney. I mean, Coney, you know, that guy probably could have ran for 500 yards if, if he wanted to uh, with the holes that that line was opening up for him. So it's I think you just got to tip your hat to the uh, Union offensive line. They they came ready to play, and they, and they dominated yeah, Hobart all game. The thing that screws me up about this, I'm looking at this schedule. I mean, and Frank's going to offer his two cents, but I don't know. As it, let, let's say I'm an RPI fan, you know, which I am, but I take that hat off or I try to for the purposes of this show because we do try to be objective. Um, I, I don't know if I'm happy or or not that Union beat Hobart because I look at this schedule and I can't see the the, the, the trees through the forest right now. I mean. WPI still has to play Hobart, and I think I think you know Hobart has a chink in their armor. Union still has to play RPI, you know RPI has to play Hobart. I mean, there is a school of thought in my brain that says RPI, Union, and Hobart beat each other up, and a WPI team can come in here and win out and slide in and win this damn conference. Yeah, you know? I think I think it talks to the the depth of the league. It's you know Susquehanna is obviously no longer a a cellar dweller anymore. I mean, they're winning some big games. Um, you know, uh, WPI is, is starting to you know, sh- show that they can really you know hang with the the best teams in the league. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting race. But yeah, if I, from an RPI perspective, I would be um, I would be you know worried. You guys are the 
you know, basically the defending champions. You're the only undefeated team left in the league. Everyone's going to, you know, want to play their best game against you. Uh, you've got the target on, on your back, you know. Well, the only you, thing... I mean, Union had to write that ship. If they lose that game, I mean, that's, that, that gets a lot of people nervous in Schenectady. I mean, taking nothing away from Hobart, I mean, Union came out and made a statement, and they had to. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, losing that game against U of R, and, and it, they had to. I mean, there's no question about it. The pressure was on. I'm sure everyone felt in Schenectady. What do you think, Frank? Well, I, I, yes, I, I will. I, I'm not going to speak too much to that because we try to avoid going too deep into our own team's uh, philosophies and uh, jitters and whatnot. But you're, you're right. There was that thought. But there's also the counter thought, which was, hey, they're two plays defensively away from being 3-1 and one before yesterday. And that's what I was trying to remind people personally uh, when I was talking to Union fans. Don't abandon these guys because, honestly, we're used to getting the good breaks, okay, as Union. And when we went 10-0 in 2005 or when the team went 10-0 uh, uh, in 2005, they had a Hail Mary pass at Franklin and Marshall. A, with 30 seconds left, they broke open a 0-0 game against Coast Guard uh, to win. They had a shootout that you remember, Eric, against RPI uh, to go 10-0. They had a shootout against Ithaca. I mean, a lot of things had to go right in terms of stars aligning. This year, the stars haven't aligned the same way. But then yesterday, they eventually did because the things that were biting Union really did bite Hobart, the missed field goals, et cetera. But I owe you an answer from earlier, and I'm going to give it to you and see what James has to think about it. If I had to put into one word what went wrong with Hobart, overthinking. I think the coaches for Hobart overthought way too much into some of the play calling yesterday instead of being their natural selves. Well, Frank, actually, you're in graduate school, so I thought you would know that overthinking is two words, but just, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh, there's a hyphen. Bam! A hyphen is not, Bam! You know, the hyphen. It is you a hyphen. You just that one, baby. You went one and all. I should be, I got to be bitter. I'm <laughs> I'm the bitter Hobart I'm, fan. I'm giving it up on my computer right now. We're going we're gonna to determine I, I, this. But go ahead. I, I tell you what. I wasn't an English I, major either, so I could be I, I think, I think the um, clearly, <laughs> you know, I can speak at least my personal mentality. If I was playing for RPI right now, sitting there at 2-0, you know what? I, I think they're thinking, hey, you know what? These teams are beating each other up. We feel pretty good because Union just lost to, to Hobart and, if I'm RPI, personally, I'm feeling pretty damn good right now because it's showing that maybe some teams aren't who they thought they were, you know, a la Dennis Green. You know, clearly there's been some inconsistency. The best word I'll use right now is there's been inconsistency. And and if RPI keeps doing what they've been doing with a senior quarterback, I mean, clearly, folks, this, this tends to be a league where, uh, you know, big-time players rise to the top. Our city, Cano, Marathi, you know, John Branch, Mizro, you know, big-name guys, right? Right now, would you guys disagree with me if I made the statement that I would say top to bottom, experience-wise, been there before, Jimmy Robertson's probably the biggest name in the Liberty League right now? Yes or no? Hmm. Um, I mean, Chris Coney, from, from we yeah. our former guest, I mean, he's only a sophomore. He hasn't done it as, as long as Jimmy has. I mean, right now... Do you not give that X factor to a Jimmy Robertson at the controls of a 2-0 RPI team? He's been to the big dance. He's played these games. Right. He's won some tight ones. I mean, how can you not say that's a ton of momentum to have? I mean, 
Yeah, he's probably he's probably the you know right now the best quarterback. I mean, he's, I don't know if he's the best you know player because you know usually best players have you know All America or something you know either preseason hype or you know getting looked at. For, okay, you're right. My my point right. being an intangible marquee kind of name as far as if you're trying to look at intangibles in this conference. I mean, think about it. I mean, there's some crazy games coming up. You know, you've yep. got RPI having to play both Union Hobart. Rochester certainly isn't done yet. They've got to play Hobart. And, uh, you know, they, actually they go out of conference to play Alfred. But there's a lot of football left to be played. My only point being, if you're throwing darts at a board, all things being equal, if RPI doesn't make mistakes like Coach Briggs said, it's hard. You know, right now they're the team to beat, right? They can take care of their own destiny. Yep. It's hard to, to envision a team, solid fundamentals, a Coach Joe King-led team, it's been there before with a guy like Jimmy Robinson, senior quarterback at the helm, not getting it done. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I understand there's rivalries coming up and they're going to be tough, but you know, I don't see a huge implosion. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, and I think that in general, you know, the type of offense that's that's starting to develop in the in the Liberty League is that it's a very you know quarterbacks are really the key to everything. I mean, that, that freshman um, uh, Chris Connolly from from Union was. I mean, just he was incredible, and if you know if he and Coney are going to you know be a one-two punch for Union for the next four years, and the rest of the league is on notice. I mean, maybe Union, um, you know, will have to fight to you know finish the season uh, you know above 500, which I think is you know definitely doable for them. But I mean, those guys, there could be some more 10 and 0 Union teams coming up you know, down the road just based on you know the quarterback play that they have in Connolly, the you know the running. Um, and they, you know the blocking they're getting from their O line, so well, yeah, I mean I think it's all about rec- it's all about recruiting, right? I mean you know yeah. I don't know what the answer is. Say an RPI is at a nice run with Jimmy Robinson. I don't know what's behind Jimmy, what the recruiting looks like. I haven't talked to coaches about that, but yeah. I just want to say you know I'm not taking anything when I look at when I make my personal assessment in the landscape, and we become analysts now versus interviewers, you know, and I'm trying to be un- I'm trying to be unbiased. Hey, I think Susquehanna is a good story this year. I just don't think they're there yet with the horses to be able to win the league. You know, they're two and one. You know, I, I don't personally, see, and we're gonna get into our predictions in a few minutes. I don't see them, you know, knocking off RPI or or WPI. So they've got some work to do, but they're getting good experience. They've been a nice. Story. Although Eric, Eric, not to interrupt you, but Susquehanna, I think, is the only two and one team technically right now that controls their own destiny. Uh, maybe Hobart and Susquehanna. Yeah, but Frank, the problem is they've got to go on the road. To WPI and to RPI, and I, think oh, I understand that. I'm just saying that they they hold more in their cards out of any two and one team right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the team truly, and the reason why they scare me is WPI only because of how the schedule sets up. They still have to play uh, Union, I believe, right? Uh, no, no, I'm Rochester. Sorry, they have to play Rochester, which obviously is going to be a tough game. But the yeah, fact they still have to play in yeah, the guy still has Union. And Hobart back to back end of the season would be a lot of emotion, a lot of momentum. Clearly, they're going to be drawing off the fact that it's the last home games at A6 Field before they move into East Campus Village. Those are going to be hard fought battles. Records, yep. records out the window. Two big rivalry games. So my point is, if anyone has a chance, WPI is like your stalking horse right now, right? <laughs> yeah, well. The fun I try to I try to give my opinion and be un, and be unbiased. I'm, you know, I went. You know, my you know my heritage is as an RPI player, and clearly I'm always going to have that angle. But I look at this conference, and it's a balanced conference, and I just think that right now, 
the intangibles and, and the way things will go, it's, hey, it's not football left to be played. Let's leave it at that. If I was still playing for RPI, I'd get my butt kicked for looking ahead. So, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of stuff left to go. This is why it's fun. I mean. Well, let me put, let me put something out there, too, Eric, right now. And we don't usually go across uh, conferences, but have you taken a look at the Empire 8 lately and what's been happening in there? And I don't, there's, I don't understand. Yeah, big big loss by uh, by St. John Fisher. All of a sudden, they've got what two or three losses on there. Yeah, that, that and that, Al, Alfred. Those to guys yesterday. Those guys. I don't understand that deal. You know, I as you know, we're pro Liberty League, so we're going to circle the wagons around the Liberty League every week, and we have to listen to whether it's on the message boards or on, on out there in the public how great the Empire Eight is, how you know a St. John Fisher schedules Mount Union, and how these teams are great. You know what? It's inconsistency. I, I don't, as you know, man to man, I do not see that conference, and, I, and I'm awed by them being this big national power with better teams in the Liberty League. I just don't see well, it. I'm here's sorry. why I bring it up, though. Here's exactly why I bring it up. There's a certain school of thought that says there's seven pool C bids that will be given out, and nationally to fill out brackets geographically, and this plays a little bit of a role into things. Granted, they try to pick the seven best at-large teams, but geographics have to play some role when they're doing it. Unfortunately, that's the nature of the beast in Division Three. Well, who in the who in the Empire Eight right now can really fill out a Pool C bid? Okay, now, so that, you know what? Your question then comes back to something you like to talk about early in the season: the yep. scheduling that game against Mount Union hurt Fisher now for Pool C because they just dropped. No, because they, it was everything else that's hurt Fisher. They lost to Hartwick. They've lost to uh, Salisbury. But that's Salisbury. what I know. Thank you. You're missing my point, Frank. Because they scheduled a game that. It was likely they're going to lose. Now, when they make mistakes or stumble in their own conference, that's going to hurt. you know they're looking at wins losses, right? I mean, as no, they're not because that's not a regional game for them. And nor was Salisbury, but Salisbury can be looked at a little bit more because that was a team with five defensive players that were suspended because of uh, some extracurriculars off the field. That was a game they should have won. They lose it in four overtimes. Mount Union, if they if they had shown up against Mount Union, it would have helped them. By not beating Mount Union and losing by what they did, it's a non-factor. Okay, okay. they had nine other games. Let's take your argument a step out for a second. We're talking. Let's let's project for a second. I know it's really early, but pool C. Let's say, and I'm I'm trying to mathematically figure out if this is possible. Is it possible for WPI, Hobart, and RPI to all finish with one loss? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It is. Yes. It is. So does that yeah. mean? Does that mean that the Liberty League potentially? No, it's not. No, actually, guys, no, it's not because no. WPI still has to play Hobart, I believe. No, but say Hobart beats Rochester or RPI. Well, WPI and Hobart both have one loss. One of them has to go to okay, two okay. losses. I'm, I'm, I'm tr- I apologize, folks. I'm trying to on the fly do Susquehanna this. Susquehanna could. Susquehanna actually no can't either. No, Susquehanna could because they played Hobart. So they, I think, are the only uh, one-loss team that could go into that Wheel of Fortune of like, one-loss. Where I was going with this argument was, is there a scenario, especially given the inconsistency in the E8, that has a, a three-team Liberty League NCAA bid this year? Probably not, right? No, I, 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 th- I, I, think, no. The, I think the committee, just in general, would, you know, we're lucky that, we, that we've gotten two in the last, you know, couple of years, but I think in general they would only, you know, prefer to have the, the AQ and then, well, uh, well, but that's my that's my point, guys. That we were going into the season by all estimates with the Liberty League probably not getting a pool C bid based on their performance in playoffs last year. They went 0 and 5, exactly. 0 and 2 in the uh, NCAA. Didn't help themselves last year. <laughs> but now, everything the way that's playing out, 
it's possible. It really is possible for the Liberty League if things go correctly and there are a couple, let's say, one and two lost teams standing around at the end of the season, which it might, might not happen. We'll see. But it's possible they might actually supplant the uh, Empire 8 and get a pool seat bid, and Empire 8 might not get one. Well, let's talk about one thing. Let's, let me ask you guys one thing, and then we have to move to our predictions because we're in bonus coverage. And, you know, this was supposed to be a light week, so let's not drag this out with our listeners. I know they all got stuff to do. Top of the Liberty League right now, RPI, WPI, Hobart. Okay, we'll throw Susquehanna in there. Those are the four top teams. How do you think those four top teams, are they equal to the top four teams of the Empire 8? Yes. I mean, definitely. I think so. Tough call. Tough call. Uh, I would say, boy, it's just tough. Because if St. John Fisher were the team I thought they were, not to use an old adage, then no, probably not. But St. John Fisher, I can't figure them out for the life of me. Ithaca seems to be a very strong team that tripped. And Hartwick, to me, actually doesn't seem like that strong of a team. And yet Utica right now is the number one team in the Empire Eight. So I can't figure out either one of these makes everyone makes everyone want to rethink their ragging on RPI for that conference scheduling, huh? Well, I mean, they're, they're two, two and three and one and oh, I think, right now uh, is what Utica is, and they lead their league. Hey, the reality is, guess what? You know, maybe some of the national pundits don't agree with this, but the Liberty League is not a bad conference. It's compa- I mean, it, no, it's it, not. It, and it, the it, Empire 8 isn't as good as we thought, I think. It, well, the Empire 8 is not as good as we thought, and maybe from top to bottom the Liberty League is a little better than we thought. So we'll leave it at that. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Okay, so how about we, how about we do this? How about we do this? We've got 11 minutes to go. You're in the huddle, folks. I'm Eric Wren, joined here with Frank Rossi. Why don't we do a real quick commercial break, come back, and finish with our, with our predictions. J- uh, James, you want to stick around and uh, give your predictions, too, for this week? Sure. Okay, we're going to go. Thanks, uh, this is in the huddle. Only exclusive Liberty League NSA Division Three talk show devoted to college football action in the Liberty League Conference in upstate New York, Pennsylvania, and Massachusetts. I'm Eric Wren, joined here with Frank Rossi. And, hey, how about a word from our fine institution, the NCAA? So, EJ, we've designed you a signature shoe worthy of a three-time All-American with mad smarts and sick leadership skills. Ta-da! There are over 380,000 NCAA student-athletes. Yeah, you got your GPA in box, right? I love it. And just about all of them will be going pro in something other than sports. Can I get it in a loafer for Casual Fridays? Yes. Yes. You are listening to In the Huddle on blogtalkradio.com, the only source for weekly Liberty League action in NCAA Division III football's Liberty League Conference. So once again, back to Studio One in Saratoga Springs, New York, your hosts, Eric Wren and Frank Rossi. And coming from you in Coral Gables, Florida, literally, uh, it's the Frank Rossi half of this. And uh, while we were away and uh, while we were talking, I've looked up, overthinking my good friend James, who's joining us as a caller. And according to Wikipedia, overthinking is one word. So thank you. Take that. Now let's talk some predictions for next week's Liberty League games. There's only three of them as, let's see, uh, it's, uh, Hobart definitely has the buy, and WPI, I think, has the buy uh, going into this week. So uh, let's talk some games, and I want to start. I will introduce this game to you guys since I can't really uh, comment too much on a prediction. Union will play favorite 
on their homecoming to St. Lawrence. This might be the first time in a couple weeks that we could really call Union a favorite going into a game. And after their big win against Hobart, how does that play out, do you think? Let's start with James on this one. Well, you know, St. Lawrence is, you know, I feel bad for uh, Coach Phelps. I mean, he's a, he used to be our offensive coordinator. He's a great guy. He's been doing, you know, working you know, hard to build that program back up. But, you know, this year they've just had, you know, some, some tough luck. They haven't won a game yet, I don't think. Um, you know, but the one thing that could keep St. Lawrence in this game uh, is their defense. Uh, I know when I looked at the uh, some of the stats a couple weeks ago uh, when they were going to play Hobart, um, so the St. Lawrence Saints had like the number two or number three uh, defense statistically in the entire league, which says a lot. So I think that you know that will give them a chance in this game. But uh, I think Union's turned the corner. They're, you know, Connolly and Coney, these guys are just too good. They're going to score a lot of points, and I think that Union wins this game pretty handily. Yeah, I agree. You said a lot of nice things about St. Lawrence there. Here's what I say about St. Lawrence. they got a nice campus. It's up kind of north country. A lot of nice-looking girls. Good school. Southern Canada. But, but you know what? They're overmatched. Union's right the ship. They're heading into the final stretch. RPI's on the horizon. I'm sorry, but Union handles these guys in homecoming. Love the Larrys. Great, great program, but you're overmatched this week. You got to introduce the next game because you can't talk oh, about it. Oh well, hey, sorry about that. Dead air, my bad. So the next game, <laughs> RPI Susquehanna, and I'll tell you, we had a fantastic guest tonight, Coach Steve Briggs of Susquehanna, pulled out a couple of really emotional wins. You know, the improbable win against Merchant Marine, the, the miracle win, uh, a shocker in my view against a U of R team with high expectations. They're on a 2-0 and run. Nice couple wins there, but what's the word from the, the quote Richard Crenna from Rambo? It's over, Johnny. It's that, that run ends there. RPI <laughs> smells. You're not supposed to predict this, guy. You're not supposed to predict this. In I'm not predicting well, no. I mean, I'm being subjective. <laughs> I'm being subjective. RPI is on a roll. They're coming off a bye. You know, they've got a great program. That, you know, Susquehanna is doing well, but, again, we're trying to talk about momentum and, and where teams need to be. That's that's Susquehanna. I'm sorry. You know they've got a great you know great story the last couple weeks. I just don't see them coming to RPI and winning that game, especially with the driver's seat RPIs in it. And, and and you know I say that tongue in cheek. I wasn't <laughs> trying to be facetious. I'm just saying I think the run's over there. You know they they've won a couple really emotional games. Great guest the last couple weeks, Derek Pope. Fantastic young man, that quarterback. Delightful talking to Coach Steve Briggs tonight. But guess what? You know, RPI just has better talent at this stage of the game, I think, in the conference. So RPI is going to win at home. James, go ahead. Yeah, well, I I have to you know agree with Eric. I think that Susquehanna has definitely shown that they are much. You know, they've improved a lot from last season, and and uh, in the last couple of weeks they've demonstrated that they can. You know, either at home or on the road, they can you know they can get wins and, and make big plays. But this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I mean, Jimmy Robertson is a senior uh, quarterback for RPI. He's um, you know I'm sure he's seen many times in his career some of these hot teams that are coming in. Uh, you know, they're jacked up to play RPI because they're the you know the top team in the conference. But this is where you rely on this uh, sort of senior leadership to set the tone, practice that you know they're not going to overlook Susquehanna just because maybe they've you know, handle them um, easily in the past. I think this is just going to be one of those games where, you know, Susquehanna gives a good effort, but, you know, RPI wins by uh, two or three touchdowns. And, James, to your point, that's a great point. 
by virtue of beating U of R and and Merchant Marine those last couple games, clearly RPI is not overlooking Susquehanna. I mean, I think by those two wins and, and having that bullseye RPI RPI's back, I think RPI clearly, as of yesterday, has recalibrated themselves, refocused, and just turned the wick up a little bit in, in preparation for Susquehanna. Okay, my turn now. Let me ask you a question, because, Eric, we always ask me union-based questions uh, in the first person to a certain degree because I've been around the team for, what, 14 years now? Yep. Let me ask you a question. You played for Coach King. How does he prepare you guys to not fall off during that off week? Because I think you guys used to play a nine-game schedule back when you were playing uh, in the old days when the horse and carriages were the mainstay. So, uh how how was he? What would he do? What would he, the entire coaching staff do to get you guys to not start stale coming off that bye week? Uh, that's a great question. I, from what I recall, and it was so long ago. I mean, in that bye weekend, I believe we had both Saturday and Sunday off. I mean, it's really business as usual. I mean, anyone who knows RPI, who knows Coach King, knows there's no letdown. It's the whole it's the whole Lou Holtz mentality, right? You know, Coach King's certainly talking up Susquehanna like they're a top ten team in the United States Division Three. I mean, I mean, you know, he's given that team a lot of respect. He's instilling in, in, in the players at RPI a very, very laser focus on this week of preparation. In fact, I think Coach King dials this week up a notch since they've been off a week and there's been a layoff. I think he dials it up a notch, and any little mistake, any sign of of of, of uh, you know lackadaisicalness or, or lack of focus gets severely dealt with very quickly. So. To your point, Frank, I think Coach King has these guys very focused. He's been around too long not to be. And by the way, we've got three minutes left to go, so just so you know. Yeah, well, as you said, I was dialing up here D3 football to check the last uh, year's records after a bye week, and uh, they have not lost since 2000 after a bye week. In fact, uh, they've maybe had some questionable scores, like Merchant Marine, I think it was like 42-31 a couple years ago or a few years ago uh, when uh, they came off the bye week. But I just don't think – if it were another team, maybe they would start stale a little bit, and Susquehanna might be able to sneak in, get up early, and hold on. I think it's a tough situation. Susquehanna, credit all around to your team, and I'm not taking anything away from you. I just think you're going to be facing a better team. But like Justin Wells said about Hobart Union, if you ask 100 people, 90 of them are going to tell you that probably RPI is going to run wagons around Susquehanna uh, in that game, maybe even more than 90 in this uh, situation. So, I just don't think it's going to happen. I'll give Jimmy my Robertson towards factor. RPI. Jimmy Robertson factor, Frank. I think that's the, that's that's not going to let it happen. So what's our game uh, number three here? Uh, we got Merchant Marine at U of R. You know, to, uh, I'll start because we got two minutes. I'm going to keep it quick. I think Rochester Scott Green. You you heard that coach talk way way too much at stake right now, having a a, a one and two record in the conference. If they lose that, the wheels are off. They're out of control. So it's not happening. Uh, you know. Merchant Marine's a good program. We'll have a lot of discipline, but Rochester's going to going to settle that one at home and, and do it pretty handily. Yeah, I'd take I'd take Rochester. Maybe not by a lot. I think you know the, this. I think this Merchant Marine squad is is definitely improved. Um, but yeah, I still see Rochester maybe winning by seven or ten. Real quick, Frank. Well, we're down to a minute. I'm going to I'm going Merchant Marine. You know, with the upset on the road, I think they need to pull themselves together. I think Coach Toops a uh, guy to do it. Uh, down there, I just think he's going to sit down with this team this week and say, listen, 
Susquehanna was two weeks ago. You're still playing like you're in the fourth quarter there. Enough is enough. It's a military academy, and it's not going to be stood for to play below their capabilities, and they are capable of a lot more than what they've shown the last two weeks, especially the last five quarters of football. So I'm going with Merchant Marine, and maybe a slow start, but I think they come forward second, third, and fourth quarters. There you have it. Frank, making the big pick. Folks, you know what time it is. I apologize. We've been in bonus coverage for a while. We've only got a minute left to go. Crazy week of football here this past week. You heard it from us tonight. Uh, got some clips about Union upsetting Hobart. Plan upsetting Rochester. I'd like to thank our guest, First Ed Baker, voices of Hobart State and at Geneva. Class act, great broadcaster, fantastic having done on board. Chris Pony, Ben Rappel from Union College. The, uh... The two players who uh, led their team to victory this weekend against Hobart. Coach Steve Spriggs from Susquehanna, Chris Sanders, you know, guys, 101st win. Justin Wells from WPI, another fantastic win this week, keeping his team alive in the conference. So, big weekend, big week coming up. You heard our predictions. My name is Eric Friends. I'm Frank Ross. I'd also like to thank our caller, James, for connecting and standing with us and helping us out. Frank, say goodbye to everyone. Goodbye, everyone. You've been in the huddle. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next week.